0: He's got one foot in the frying pan and one in the pressure cooker. Believe me, as a bowler, I know that right about now, your bladder feels like an overstuffed vacuum cleaner bag and your butt is kind of like an about-to-explode bratwurst.
1: Hey, do you mind? I wasn't talking when you were bowling. Was I talking out loud?
2: Welcome to Munson's at the Movies. My name is Kyle. I will once again be your host. Joined by the rest of the Munson's. Want to give them a wide berth.
3: What is called a born loser. A real Munson.
2: (laughs) And talk a little bit
0: about what's going on in their worlds. We're going to start this time with James. Just really excited for the uh, football season to start here as the Jets inevitably win the Super Bowl this year. Can't wait. No chance it backfires.
3: You got a good team. You got a good team. It's like the first time in like ten years that's been the case.
2: It's not too late. Let's put a bet: Lions, Jets, Super Bowl. It's
0: what the people want to see. I've bet on the Jets like six different ways to win the Super Bowl, but because it's not going to happen, it pays out really high. But that also means I'm just going to lose the money I bet. So I've already come to peace with it.
2: Okay, there you go, Aubrey. Oh,
4: I've got I've got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Monday. I didn't have school today, and I'm already tired. I'm looking forward to the weekend
3: you guys remember that time when Arbor used to brag about not having shit to do?
5: <laughs> Teacher summer? That's karma, baby. It feels so long ago. Oh, my God.
4: It feels so long ago. I love it, though. These, it, it, the kids are good. The school is good. Everything is good. I wish there were better movies in theaters. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not much. Wait till next summer. It's, it's a rough time. <laughs> I heard things in Venice are great, though. I was going to say, they're all playing in Venice right now.
4: yeah got something to look forward to there. I'm excited for this. This was, this was fun to
3: prep for. So I'm excited. I agree. Case, hey, so I, I think I forgot you originally, but you should, we should give you a chance to talk. I'm on the flip side of Aubrey in that for the first time in this millennium, I did not have to work on Labor Day weekend. So I have, uh, thoroughly enjoyed my time off this weekend and I guess I'll go into work this week and do some shit and then I'll have next weekend off. So that's exciting too. Just enjoying this, uh,
5: non-coaching life. <clears throat> Rigby. Yeah, I'm happy to be back. I missed last episode, so happy to happy to uh, be feeling better and uh, not having to keel over <laughs> on the toilet for this episode. Yeah, I'm also excited for tonight, and I'm excited because I think by the time this episode airs, both Jets and Lions fans will be freaking out and overreacting after <laughs> both their teams lose in week one.
0: I feel like the probability of this is so high. Rigby, if you want, you can put money on it. You know, you just... <laughs>
5: <laughs> Feel free. I definitely think the Lions need to be taken down a, Lions fans need to be taken down a peg or two I don't know about they're all in man they're all in my good friend that's a Lions fan he's all in nothing but shame for the last 50 years but all of a sudden one nine and eight season people think they're super bowl bound
0: Rigby if you're rooting against the Jets on September 11th you are so fucking on a <laughs> <laughs> you're rooting against New York On September 11th?
5: That's cold-blooded. I didn't say I'm rooting against them. I'm just saying I think they're going to lose. That's what Al-Qaeda said, Rigby.
2: (laughs) happy to announce that I have uh, successfully made a championship game in my uh, men's beer league hockey league. And uh, by the time this drops, I'll either be uh, sad for a few moments and then I'll forget it ever happened, or I'll be drinking out of a Of a cup that's got Bud Light and Budweiser cans as its foundation. So I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be great. But anyways, happy to welcome our first guest Munson in a long time. We've got Jim Evans of the Film Rage podcast with us. Jim is the co-host and co-creator of the podcast Film Rage. Uh, He has had extensive experience as a film previewer for some of North America's best loved film festivals. Jim has worked in film as an extra and carries a significant amount of rage. For things he finds annoying, that's in all caps in the show notes. So I felt like I really had to add a little oomph, a little some emphasis there. Uh, Being Canadian, since we've been talking about American football the whole time, he's like, Jesus, can we be more boring? Uh, He is sorry for anyone he has offended, but at the same time is also passive aggressive enough to also not care behind their backs. Welcome to the pod, Jim.
3: Yeah, buddy, welcome. Hey, hey. Well,
2: Jim, your your reputation reputation precedes itself here. As the film rage, we've we've heard that you're the angry one on the podcast over there. So, I'm I'm interested to see where the the rage comes out with Owen Wilson uh, as we dig into his filmography. And maybe it's every
5: time Rigby goes, "Wow." <laughs> I'm saving him for tonight. <laughs> no, it's mostly when he does his his little Owen
1: Wilson he's whispering at the same time when he's talking and then you have to really turn the volumes up because sometimes you can't hear what he's saying
3: watch a lot of owen wilson movies
2: well done (laughs) he's prepped he's ready to go man he gave me the updates i'm stoked all right well we're gonna get into this let's have some fun episode 89 all right birthday is september 14th rigby what do we got
5: all right, I'll be quick. Uh, first up, we got fellow Munson, Tyler Perry. He pairs. The sneaky one, I think. Great episode. People should go listen to that. Corey Wallace. 53. Uh, I
2: will say he is older than he looks. So I'm going to say
3: 59. I think this is the right track. 57? I'm going to go with 62. Wow, Craig going old. Yeah, I'm going to take a swing at it. I've seen him without his shirt on a lot
1: in movies. And I'm going to say those tits are definitely,
5: I want to say 54. Oh, man. (laughs) God, I hope Jim wins. I didn't think he was going to get it, but the Medea reference gave it to him. 54 on the dot. (laughs) That man knows his man boobs. Next up, Melissa Leo, Academy Award winner for The Fighter. Mm -hmm. That's it?
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's the only movie she's been in.
5: I'm going to go 35 then. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's like one dollar that's know. what that is yeah. yeah
2: I've got no idea here
0: no way 35 you're, if it's the chick I think it is from the fighter you're probably off by like 30 years
2: it's a strategic decision 59 I'm going with with again
0: that feels more accurate mm, maybe I'm gonna go with a respectful
5: 55 I'll go 52
1: hard 50 I'm going
5: Melissa Leo is turning 63 what good for her yeah Damn, she looks she looks good. So K-Man gets that one. I was scared to go over. Okay, and next up, one of my favorites, Mr. Sam Neill. I think we've mentioned him a lot on this podcast just from yeah. ones that we've covered but haven't gotten to cover him yet. He would be he would be cool.
4: He's
0: so
5: hateable in uh Peaky Blinders.
0: <laughs> yes. That was what I that's always what I think about when I think about him. He's so good in that. Really interesting.
2: I just showed somebody else Hunt for the Wilder People, so he's he's fresh in my brain. So I'm going to start us off because I always like to start off. I will say Sam Neill is 64. 67. 63.
0: He looks the same as he did in Jurassic Park. That was like 30 years ago.
1: (laughs) (laughs) 60, sure. I'm going 72.
5: He's been in some movies in the 70s, so. You guys were all under except Jim, uh, who is still under. He's actually turning 76. Damn. Damn. damn Yeah. Yeah. I know. I was shocked by that. He looks good. He has been around a long time. Oh, got it. People forget Jurassic Park is 30 years old. Yeah. Wow. So he was—he would have been a pretty old 30-year-old in that movie. Yeah, he but was he around.
0: stopped aging in 94.
5: <laughs> he did. Uh, I agree. This looks the same. We love all those actors, so happy birthday to Tyler, Melissa, and Sam.
2: Wow. We are in episode 89, and with that, we have five actors that we threw onto the wheel. Those five were Michael Kenneth Williams, Rob Corddry, Josh Brolin, and Kate Winslet. But it didn't matter because The Wheels selected Owen Wilson. And Jim decided to join us to talk about Owen Wilson. So we're going to do what we normally do. And that's kind of do a pretty extensive overview of their career, the highs, the lows, things that stand out to us. But before we get into all that, we always start with a little actor trivia to see if James can stump us mm-hmm. Fast and Furious stuff.
0: Yeah, so what I'm going to do here is I'm going to read three facts. Two of them are going to be true about Owen Wilson, and one of them is not going to be true about Owen Wilson, but is going to be true about one of the many illustrious cast members of the Fast and Furious franchise. The gentlemen here are going to try to guess which one isn't true about Owen. Fact number one. Was expelled from high school for fighting and skipping school. Fact number two. Broken his nose twice once while in a fight in high school, once while playing intramural football in college. (laughs) Fact number three. When he was flown out for his big break into Hollywood, he had never flown first class before in his life, and he was so broke that he tried to exchange his prearranged first class plane ticket uh, for
5: coach and wanted to pocket the cash instead. Good grief. Hmm, those are all good. Yeah, these are really good. I think the nose, I, th- I don't know, I feel like it's almost too obvious. Two on the nose? Yeah, two on the nose. Thank you, Craig. <laughs> I'm, you know what, I'm going to go number one is the lie, and I think that's John Cena.
0: <laughs> John
5: Cena!
3: I think he's absolutely right, it's John Cena. But trying to change his uh, plane ticket in is something a... Uh, WWE wrestler would definitely do. So, fact three is about Cena.
4: I'm going to take the bait on this one and say the second one is about John Cena. And technically, (laughs) his original gimmick in the WWE was that he rapped, so I'm still keeping this going. (laughs) (laughs) Well played.
1: That's got... The nose has been broken at least once. At least minimum once. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe the lie is that it was three times or four times. That one's true. And he seems like like he was a pretty nasty kid if you see bottle rocket <laughs> he definitely got kicked out of school and i'm gonna say third one and it's tom barry he only was in two of the franchise
2: so he needed the money <laughs> <laughs> i will say i do know that he got kicked out of school but i know it was for a very different reason so i'm trying to figure out who would have got kicked out for I uh, was tyrese for sure I think that's that's gotta be the answer.
0: <laughs> One, I appreciate the guesses there. I also appreciate the nose pun. So I will confirm that yeah, number two is true. He broke his nose twice, once during a fight in high school and once while playing intramural football in college. I guess at this point he's just tired of talking about it. So like he, it's it's interesting because he clearly has gone out of his way to not get it fixed, which I respect. You know, it's kind of a calling card and he's had it his whole career. But he finally revealed that it was during intramural flag football when he was playing at University of Texas and that it was previously broken on the other side uh, from a fight he got into in high school. He had had surgery on it once, but it wasn't to repair it. It was to help him breathe. So it was more of like a deviated septum kind of deal. Uh, But he has made it very clear he's never going to get it fixed. And I respect the move there as someone with a uh, broken honker myself. Fact number three uh, is true. So James L. Brooks, famously produces The Simpsons, saw the short that him and Wes Anderson had written for Bottle Rocket and said, I want to make this a movie, but you got to work on the script. And he flew these two young college kids out to his office, paid them a hundred bucks a day. But Wilson was so broke on the flight there, he realized it was first class, wanted to exchange it for a coach ticket and try to pocket the difference. And when the airline told him that the cash would just go back to the credit card of James L. Brooks, who's not hurting for any money, he's like, fine, fuck it. I'll just fly first class for the first time in my life. But you know, he probably could have used the $100 difference there. I respect that. Yeah, same here. I totally get the hustle. Uh, And fact number one was expelled in high school for fighting and skipping school, uh, not really true about him. He, he was expelled from high school. He went to a private religious school and he was booted his sophomore year. He mm-hmm. was a private school outside of Dallas when he was caught stealing answers for a math test. While he was a uh, expelled for cheating in geometry. He eventually went to a military school, went to University of Texas. He straightened it out a little bit. Uh, But who did not straighten it out is uh, Michelle Rodriguez, who famously portrays Letty Ortiz in all of the Fast and Furious movies. She had been expelled from five different schools for fighting and just not showing up. She eventually earned her GED, and I think she's doing okay. But yeah, she she was a a little rough and
1: tumble kid there. funniest thing about that story is that he went to a private school and had not enough money. <laughs> he tried to get money back.
0: It's like, okay, somebody had money. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I and mean, then I mean his parents were like, we're not funding your hippie bullshit, all right? Yeah, it's <laughs> a, your hippie ride to be James uh, James Brooks. <laughs> yeah. No one's heard of this guy. Yeah.
3: When they shipped his ass off to military school, they went, uh-uh. You're done.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, that's enough. And he said that it was a group of kids
2: and he wasn't willing to give up the names of the other kids. So he's the one who essentially took the fall for everybody. So he could have snitched and probably got away with it and been fine, but he decided not to throw them under the bus.
3: I know you're going to get into it here in a second, but did he graduate? Did they give him a degree from UT Austin?
2: No, he never graduated. No, he didn't, Oh, man,
3: give that man a degree. Come on.
2: Just stop doing a Wes Anderson movie for a year, and you can go do it. You just do it. It'll
3: be fine. Mm -hmm. Thank you, James.
2: Appreciate you, as always.
3: Mm -hmm. All right, Case, Snapshot and Box Office History, what do we got? Well, we've got a lot of data here, so that's exciting. The thing that's most enjoyable about this one is that it's really balanced out, because he's got enough small indie films, but then he's also got a pretty sizable amount of big budget films. And he comes in as one of our top 20 largest budgets, despite all those small budget films. And he's top 10 in total earnings. So he's really has a impressive money side of uh, the box office snapshot. Some of his highest grossing films, you're looking at a couple of different franchises here, right? The Fockers... Night at the Museum, Cars, are really the ones that make up the big earners for him. And so one thing that I did find interesting was when I was plugging in his movies, he's got a lot of movies that have lost money. And most of those are on the independent side of things. I've got 56 different movies in my spreadsheet that I was able to find complete box office information on. 13 of them lost money. Mm -hmm. A quarter of his movies have lost money. Obviously, he's done enough on the balance side, right, to, to make a lot of money in his big movies. The other thing that I thought was interesting about his movies is that a lot of name recognition with all of the movies he's in. There wasn't very many movies that I was sitting there going, I've never heard of that movie. I had at least heard of most of them, and I've got a theory on that that I'll talk about when we're discussing Bottle Rocket. But let me get into the numbers. As I mentioned, he's in the top 20 in film budgets. Eighth in total box office. But then, here's where his numbers really hurt him. He's 47th in star meter. Not a surprise, right? He's not really doing a lot of projects right now. But, 75th in critic ranking Mm. with 48.8. 69th in fan ranking at 55.7. And then he's 42nd and 23rd in his uh, different box office metrics, which puts him at 67th on our list. Way lower than I thought it was going to be.
2: You think it's because of all the comedies?
3: Yeah. Low rated? Has the rom-com scores. That's surprising. 67th was a lot lower than I was anticipating. And in
2: most cases, when you're in a set of films, a trilogy, a lot of cases, the second and thirds do not get rated nearly as well as the first one. We're not talking about the Nolan Batman begins going to dark Knight territory here. We're talking about the third night of the museum film. Yeah. By that time, people are like, yeah, stop.
3: We're done. That's a really good point, Kyle. I didn't think about that, but I I think that definitely plays into it. Well, it gives
2: us started 67 out of 89. Let's see how that Munson meter lines up when it's all said and done. (laughs) So the early days of Owen Wilson. I don't know if we've had one of these before, but we got a, a guy born in Dallas, down in Craig's territory, down in the DFW. Right. Born in '68. I think his mom was a photographer. Her dad was basically ran the PBS station there in Dallas. Nice. Was watching an interview. There's a cool connection. His dad's PBS affiliate was the first one in the United States to play Monty Python.
5: Oh, cool.
2: They credit his dad for kind of helping them build their American profile, which is pretty cool.
5: Oh, wow. Interesting. That's
2: really cool. But as James talked about, he got expelled for cheating in geometry, didn't throw his, his students under the bus, went to the New Mexico Military Institute, and then eventually made his way to UT Austin. He didn't graduate. But while he was there, he was introduced to a guy named Wes Anderson, End up being roommates before uh, he finished up there. But that would explain why he co-wrote the first three films <laughs> with,
4: with Wes Anderson. And the rest of this podcast makes a lot more sense now. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea until we were like doing research for this. I was like, "Oh, well, that makes sense. Why he's in every movie together?" It's like, yeah, they're they're like best friends. Oh, got it. I got the idea that they met in school and were like, "This dude has a really
2: unique vision, and take me with you, yeah, please." Like, let's do this together. I
1: actually read a couple articles about Wes. Why don't you write more with him? And he just didn't have time
2: anymore. hmm. Yep. He got really busy. And I think the important note here, too, is at this point, Owen Will- Wilson didn't really consider himself an actor. He was just kind of being creative in the creative space. he never had aspirations to become an actor. And he only said, like, after his third film, when people started, like, calling him and trying to hire him, he's like, oh, I guess I'm an actor now. OK. Uh, We're here. (laughs) This is my calling. I guess I'm going to do this now. But as James mentioned, Bottle Rocket, the short shows at Sundance in 1994, like many shorts that go to film festivals like that, people are like, that's a great idea. Let's bring it to life. Had him work on the script. And then two years later, the full length feature film of Bottle Rocket hit. And that's what we're going to
0: call his first major role. And James has it. This movie came out in 1996. It's got an 86... critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 79 audience score as well with over 50,000 ratings when it comes to the audience. So I was actually really looking forward to watching this, considering I had never heard of it before. Prior to getting into the review, there's some interesting notes on it. One, Owen Wilson was very much planning to join the Marine Corps if this movie had not been successful, (laughs) because Kim and Wes Anderson essentially had written it all throughout college, and We're pinning their hopes and dreams on it like any young person trying to break into the industry. And he's like, yeah, if this doesn't work, this is about the best I got. So I'll probably just do something else, which is funny because it it actually bombed commercially, but the critics loved it. And uh, another note I found funny was James L. Brooks afterwards said he was nervous about the movie because Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson... When they were handling the rewrite, he's like they never took any notes during any of the meetings. They just sat there and like listened to me talk and were like, Cool, cool, cool. And like never wrote down anything I suggested. He's like, so I wasn't extremely confident in how this rewrite was going to go. But quick synopsis of the plot. Luke Wilson is just been released from a mental hospital, uh, and he finds out that his wacky friend, played by Owen Wilson, his real-life brother, uh, is determined to begin kind of like a life of crime because they're kind of bored in their normal suburban life. They recruit their neighbor because he has a car, so he's going to be their getaway guy, and they kind of go on a a road trip trip in search of Owen Wilson's previous boss, who's like, in his mind, a criminal mastermind, who's randomly played by James Caan. I thought it was so funny as a little cameo. But what they learn is that they really don't know anything about committing crime. And the movie is incredibly pleasant to watch. You see the immediate kind of style of both Owen and Luke Wilson, as well as Wes Anderson, kind of come through. Like, it's... The plot meanders, the one liners are super dry but funny, and the improv works on many levels. There's like a random love interest, and they play off the awkwardness of like normal human interactions, which I think is like Wes Anderson's bread and butter. And I really enjoyed the movie. One interesting note about it is uh, it scored when they were doing the test screening for it at that time for Columbia Pictures. It was the worst. Uh, test screening score that they had ever had. <laughs> so people just did not like Wes Anderson. They're like, Nope, I don't like this direction at all. He's a little ahead of his time. I get it. Uh, but then it really picked up when Roger Ebert actually interviewed Martin Scorsese and asked him at the end of the nineties, what his 10 favorite films of the nineties were. And he put bottle rocket at number seven. And it kind of became like a cult classic where everyone's like, I don't even know what this movie is. Cause no one saw it in theaters. And then it's really picked up steam there uh, since. And obviously Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson have gone on to be movie stars.
1: I found it kind of interesting with, with uh, Owen because the character that he's playing is like secondary to Luke, you know, Luke's kind of the star of this. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, he still kind of steals the show just with his like, his like Owen's wackiness mm-hmm. that he gets into his his best impression of himself doing Woody Allen—he does that so well. Like he just has those weird
0: quirkiness to it. The opening joke cracked me up so much. Where Owen Wilson's trying to break Luke out of his, like this mental hospital, and then the doctor walks in. He's like, "What are you? What are you doing?" Because he sees like a rope of sheets going out the window. He's like, "Yeah, my friend thinks I'm like locked in here. He didn't realize I kind of checked myself in. So like." You see how excited he is? I'm going to, I'm going to pretend to sneak out. He's like, oh, fine. He's like, he's like, just don't let anyone else see. Cause it's a bad look for us. He's like, I get it. I get it.
1: He lets him go down. Like three flights, of, three flights. Of stairs so good. On a, on a-
3: I have a theory on why this movie became so popular and, and developed a cult following. And it's because of Netflix. <laughs> Netflix started sending DVDs in 1997. They didn't have a lot of DVDs. And so you would constantly have a queue of shit you wanted. And then they're like, we ain't got any of that stuff, but we got plenty of this Bottle Rocket movie. You want to watch that? (laughs) And you're like, I guess Netflix was going, here, we'll send you Bottle Rocket. We'll send you Bottle Rocket. Finally, I got it.
2: People weren't able to get their copy of Twister in 1996, so they... They had to get a bottle rocket instead. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get Anaconda,
0: so they had to get a rocket. I love when uh, he explains what the like what we're gonna do as our plan since I broke you out of the mental hospital. And it's like, but first we gotta, you know, kind of test how good we are at robbing. And they end up robbing his mom. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> He's like, "You stole the earrings, bro." He's like, "I I bought those for her for her birthday. <laughs> you gotta put them back."
3: That's a fun movie to watch. Well,
2: speaking of fun movies, the cable guy, 1996, he plays an asshole gets his ass beat by Jim Carrey in this film. (laughs) He plays Robin's date in one scene. I know Rigby was going to giggle at this one, but man, Carrey works him over in that bathroom.
5: (laughs) that restaurant yeah it's so funny (laughs) puts his mouth over the hand dryer and gives him a swirly (laughs) (laughs) cable guy i think gets better with every watch it is but it's 100 percent agree yeah it's so dark that you like you wouldn't think it would but it does i find it funnier every time i watch it
0: i love cable guy yeah we talked about it with jim carrey i I love that movie i and the first time i watched it i was very caught off guard because you expect like the mask or ace ventura style jokes and that's not what it is
4: yeah i'm a big fan of the cable guy too this was the first time in a long time I watched this movie. I liked it the first time I watched it. I liked it even more this time. I would say it's a lot of fun, but it is kind of a lot of fun. Mm-hmm.
2: The other piece I would add here is this version of Owen Wilson is very different than what we see mm-hmm. him on screen the rest of his career. I wish he did more of this, just being a prick. He is such a sassy piece of shit in that scene with Robin. The minus man. <laughs> oh, well, we'll get there. That was one that was in a hockey locker room, and the guys were like, have you seen the minus man? I was like on my list <laughs> i' I've, I've been ocupado with some other ones so speaking of jlo and Danny Treo and anaconda nineteen ninety seven a very young Danny
0: Treo and isn't it crazy that like because bottle rocket did so poorly a year prior, he's like I'm joining the Marines, fuck it and then less than a year later, which means they're filming this like almost immediately he's in mass-produced and released anaconda yeah six uh, what was it almost 70 million dollars this movie made almost 70 million
3: dollars
5: it gets eaten by a snake
3: yeah it's crazy <laughs> no this movie world grossed 137 million yeah there you go i love that
1: uh, you got to remember that numbers are
3: not just in america people <laughs> 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 i don't know what you're talking about let, let me rephrase that this movie made 137 Million U.S. dollars. Nice. (laughs) Around the world. So I've got two important things with this movie. Number one, outside of Anaconda, Owen Wilson's the most important character in this movie. And then there's a very pop cultural impact that I think will really be important to Kyle and I and everybody else won't give a shit. But in the middle of the movie, Owen Wilson's character has this weird, like, like WWE heel turn where all of a sudden he's like, you know what? I'm on John Voigt's side, and he's the only guy that understands the jungle. So we're going to do what that guy says, even though he's clearly a piece of shit. No reason Owen Wilson's character needed to do that, but he did it, and it was great. And then the other part is John Voigt was clearly the inspiration for Tommy Wiseau. In the room because they have the exact same <laughs> accent and the exact same speaking cadence. And I'm like, what f- is wrong with John Voigt? <laughs> that was the start of his downfall. What accent was that? I can't really tell. I believe he was from Paraguay. It was terrible. It was a Tommy Wiseau ahead of Tommy Wiseau.
4: Like, what did he show up thinking they were all doing? <laughs> he was doing something different.
3: Whatever it was, it required a ponytail, and it looked great. Yeah. yeah. Tell you what, though, Owen Wilson's got back-to-back movies where he's got tragic demises in uh, Anaconda and coming up in Armageddon. (laughs) Oh, there's another one coming up, too, in The Haunting. Oh, yeah. That was a pretty vicious death,
2: too. Yeah. He's got some gnarly ones in there.
4: I don't normally like to push back against Case, but I will push back in the sense of Gary Wurr is probably one of the most important characters in this movie just because... She changed my life when I was first watched this as a as a younger person. <laughs> it also makes my his heel turn so much more confusing to me.
0: I'm on whatever side she's on. Yeah, whatever th- she thinks we're doing <laughs> is what we're doing. Right? That's fair. I saw this tweet recently that reminded me of what you said. Where it was some guys like. I have no principles. If a beautiful woman says she believes something, I'll immediately agree with her. And and some chick responds to her, he's like, "You should get some principles." And he responds to he goes, "I totally agree with you."
1: <laughs> I think it was just an inspiration after that Nicki
3: Minaj wrote the song Anaconda. That's true. I think. That's <laughs> good what pop culture phenomenon we wouldn't have without it. I agree. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't, uh, what's his name with Big Butt's song? Doesn't he even reference Anaconda? Yeah. Yeah, man. kind of don't want none. Sir Mix-a-Lot. Sir Mix-a-Lot. There
2: you go. Feel like the context is a little bit different. I feel like Sir Mix-a-Lot came before Anaconda, though.
5: It did. It did.
2: She wouldn't say Anaconda if Anaconda didn't exist as a movie. I'm just going to say it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> The reference is that it's massive. It's very large. I agree with this tape. We're going to lean into it. To keep it moving, we've got the second Wes Anderson project, Rushmore, a movie we talked about a ton on the Seymour Cassell episode and how much we enjoyed that film. Uh, Owen was a writer and producer on this, so like I mentioned, he had helped co-write Wes's first three pictures. Play a role. I think he, he shows up in a photograph during the film, but that is it. That is his only role in Rushmore. Yep. A great movie, and Seymour Cassell is, has a delightful character in that film. Yeah. And people should go watch it because it is the least Wes Anderson film of Wes Anderson's films. I agree. Agreed. The <laughs> most base in reality with normal human characters. It's still good. So what does that tell you? Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of great films, uh, 1998's Armageddon, he plays Oscar the geologist. Uh, alongside our boy Keith David as the uh, the general who just screams Kinsey, yelling at people. And uh, this I'm told this is where I'm supposed to squeeze in a reference to Jethro Tull. <laughs> uh, just so we're all on the same page, because he really wants to hear Jethro Toll.
3: He has so many good one-liners. That section where they're introducing the crew and they're going through their testing and training. <laughs> they cast such a fun... Group, you know, um, the real serious guy, not not Bruce Willis, uh, Will Patton. Mm-hmm. He's on one end of that spectrum, and then you got Steve Buscemi on the other end, and it's so much fun to watch those guys. And yeah. And Steve Buscemi, in my opinion, steals the show.
5: He gives Steve Buscemi the <laughs> best one-liners, no question. <laughs> Can
2: I at least have some fun before I die?
5: <laughs> I love Buscemi, and I love Michael Clark Duncan in this movie, too. Yes. Oh, he's great. It's
2: loaded. The best character in this film is American components, Russian components.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Peter Stormare is amazing. Peter Stormare is so good in there. Peter Stormare. Yeah. He's mesmerizing. Is this good or bad? I love that you can still see like some of the charm from Owen Wilson, where he sneaks in his like improv one lines when he's like, mm-hmm. Hey, can you tell us what it'll like actually be like on the asteroid when we get up there? <laughs> and he describes <laughs> just how horrific it is. And he's like, most terrifying thing imaginable. That's all you had to say.
3: Oh, yeah, or <laughs> He's talking about the female astronaut. He's like, is it just me or is Watts super
2: sexy? <laughs> yeah uh i mean oscar is probably one of the main characters the first main character to die in the film yeah really
0: too he gets blasted in the face this movie
4: is it's awesome and terrible at the same time i love it i'll never not watch it and i will always acknowledge how messy it is
2: it is messy but the emotional
0: beats land they do dude that's the michael bay special Mm -hmm. it's because the whole movie feels like a montage
2: when Will Patton drops off that fucking ship yes. to his kid that doesn't know him. And the first person coming out when they're walking out is the kid. And ah gets me every time. Yeah. Kills me. I
1: absolutely hate this movie. It is like one of the worst <laughs> movies I've ever seen. I love seen. it. It's in my like top, I would say, 50 worst movies I've ever seen. There's the rage. The rest of Michael Bay's films are in probably the rest of the 50s <laughs> <laughs> we
2: found a pain point
1: this this has like so many great actors like i mean fantastically how he got all this talent mm-hmm. and
3: then made one of the worst movies that's ever been made is just beyond me Jim, do you maybe you're just not having a hard time relating with not having a massive space program in canada i don't know <laughs> We've sent Canadians to space. So, you okay. know, we have one
1: that's probably more popular than any other astronaut. The singing astronaut. Come on.
3: Everybody knows. Was he doing Major Major Tom or whatever?
1: Yeah, he was the Major Tom dude. Round
3: control him. to Major. Yeah, I remember that. Yes. Yeah, but did he save the world? Mm-hmm. I don't think so.
2: Was he in Mr. Deeds and did he sing it in Mr. Deeds? That's... He, n- n- no, he's an astronaut. But... <laughs> so let's flip it to The Minus Man from 1999, along with Dennis Haysbert. He plays Van, the lead in this film. He
3: kills people. I know that. He's a murderer. He's a serial killer, and Sheryl Crow's in it. This movie was so disorienting because, Arbor, you talk about movies where people show up, like they're in different movies. It was like a casting director. Everybody owed this person favors. <laughs> and the director's like, "Do you think we can get Cheryl Crow?" And they're like, "Yep, Cheryl Crow owes me one." <laughs> <laughs> She's a strung out junkie. It it's such a weird movie that goes nowhere. And isn't Brian Cox? Brian Cox is the main character in it. yeah. Interesting watch because of the people that are in it, but it's an awful movie because of how it's written and and how it's delivered. Mm-hmm. On the uh, positive side, for Owen Wilson, he started dating Cheryl Crow for a little bit after this. What? Mm-hmm. God, I'm so jealous. His score just went up. All he wants to do is have some fun. A big Sheryl Crow fan. Nice. Yeah. His
5: score just went up. How's her acting skills? I missed this one. Man,
0: this is like three years after college for this dude. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think my my senior project might suck and I'll join the military and <laughs> three years later is dating <laughs> Cheryl Crow. Yeah. <laughs> Good perspective, James. It's ridiculous.
3: I have a feeling, based on a discussion we've had recently, that this movie was shot well before it was released in 99. Oh. Because he looks... Very young in this movie, got chopped up. He definitely doesn't look like he got murdered in space, but his nose does. Oh, man. It,
2: it always has, always will. I saw The Hunting for the first time ever, and it sounds like I was not abnormal in in assuming that it was awful because I did not enjoy it. But I feel like I'd better understand Scary Movie 2 now, Rigby. Yeah. <laughs> Having seen The Haunting, now I realize what I'm watching in Scary Movie 2. And Owen Wilson dies a, he dies a gruesome death by beheading from a big-ass statue in this movie.
5: Scary Movie 2 is a classic. Everyone go check it out if you haven't
3: seen it. Where did Rigby go? Is Rigby, did Rigby go to the moon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rigby, you, are you being
5: haunted by Big Daddy Kane over there? The Rigby ASMR. Step away from my computer. I said, uh, I said, go check out Scary Movie 2 if you haven't seen it.
3: I did a little research and I shared it with James. I, I do have the wow watch yeah. available. If anybody is ever wanting to know the haunting is actually the third movie that he used the phrase. Wow. <laughs> and he did it five times in this movie. Nice. It's starting to grind forward. And so if you guys have any questions about the wow if he watch. said, wow, in a movie, I got, I got the whole list and how many times he said it in each.
0: Okay. shared it with me. I could give you the, breakdown of how much money he's earned per wow if you guys want that later yeah. we can share now <laughs> yeah yeah
2: <laughs> save that later i want to hear that in your month cool, cool, cool.
3: why was that not in the original we're talking about the numbers <laughs> <laughs> he obviously said it in bottle rocket and then he said it in breakfast of champions and somebody somewhere must have said during the haunting like man people love it when you say wow because he dropped it five times in the haunting nice his high is seven this is where this thing starts to become a thing. The Willennium
2: hits, and he does his first of three films with Jackie Chan in Shanghai Noon. He plays Roy, kind of his little sidekick through the process. Owen Wilson's character's a little bit of a, he's a shyster. He's kind of a, I don't know, he's a squirrely character. They end up being buddies by the end, obviously. But
3: I loved both of these. Owen Wilson does great playing Next to like these, like neurotic, high strung type A characters, because he's the exact opposite. So he always does a really good job playing off of them. And I thought him and Jackie Chan, I enjoyed their chemistry.
4: I agree.
3: I'd agree. I think the chemistry was what made that
1: film so, so good. Like Jackie Chan and his kung fu stuff that is just off
3: the charts. So fun. How much money did this movie make? You know, I mean, it made a lot of money. 99 million us dollars worldwide <laughs> it hit really well with critics okay the interesting thing with the shanghai series is the sequel was budgeted for less money which is strange
4: and around this time you got a lot of these like buddy comedy type things and you see how the, like there's got to be one person that drives all this stuff and you see it's a person who's like kind of cracky, you know morals are a little loose Up against jackie chan who's taking everything super serious and it works again. And I also think part of the reason why people like this movie so much is because it came out like a year after Wild Wild West, which was a disaster.
3: Oh, yeah. Fucking Wild Wild.
4: (laughs) So they were like, oh, wait, this this is way better than that one.
3: One of the things we saw from Owen Wilson in this movie that we'll see throughout his career, even when he's kind of on the wrong side morally, he's got a very weird way of being able to get you to kind of side with him. Like, he betrayed Jackie Chan. Every turn in this movie, but yet when he's the one buried up to his head, you're like, God dang, I feel bad for old Roy. Come old on, Roy's being punished. White man, you know.
4: Thank you. I didn't want to say it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for the white man.
4: The joke was dying to come out of me. You're allowed to
1: say it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I
4: just, I normally do say it. That's why I didn't want to say it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, same year. He played Kevin in Meet the Parents, first of three films uh, in this sequence with Meet the Parents, Meet the Fockers, and Little Fockers, I believe, was the third one, right? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kevin plays the ex boyfriend, right? Ex fiance, yeah. Ex fiance, that's right.
0: Yeah, dude, I I love the it's bit of funny. every time he shows up. There's like beautiful music playing in the background. It's so like every car he's in has like like beautiful classical music playing as he arrives. It's it's so like subtly well done. It's like oh, how'd you two meet? It's like oh, they met at lacrosse camp. It's like lacrosse camp. The fuck is that? <laughs> it's so funny.
4: <laughs> it's like the perfect bit because like it's not it's not played too much to where it's like you hate him because he's too douchey. It's like just enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't hate him, but you just kinda roll your eyes at it. Mm-hmm. It's it's really well it's really like well portrayed, but also like well like thought out and written. It's a great bit.
2: Yeah. I think it's a good way to put it, Aubrey. It's just a well written character given Ben Stiller's character and just how like neurotic Gaylord is as a character. Mm-hmm.
1: He, he does that really well. I find I like Owen Wilson more when he's not the lead in films. A lot of times where he's just the mm-hmm. tertiary character that is just like brought in and, and he just brings the joy. Yeah.
2: And I totally forgot. And I, I totally forgot James Marsden played John Wilkes Booth in this film in one scene.
0: Uh. The Blue Steel. Dude, are we moving on to Zoolander? I fucking love Zoolander. I know you love it. This is one of my favorite comedies of all time. I even made it, (laughs) I even quoted it for like my senior quote in high school. I forget what quote it was, but it was definitely something like, (laughs) Beauty's only skin deep is what ugly people say or some shit like that. Like it was whatever, like one of the most (laughs) self centered things. I just thought it was so fucking funny. (laughs) At no point is the fact that like they are idiots. (laughs) <laughs> like recognized by them. I think that's what makes it so funny is like, they don't understand that everyone on earth thinks they're stupid. And I think that's what makes like the silliness of it so much fun.
3: Yes. Yes. I love
0: his line about
3: Billy Zane. Yeah. listen, to Billy Zane. He's a cool guy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's so many good lines on this movie. Like
3: uh, so many, I forget
1: the big speech He says, whatever it is, Derek Zoolander center for, Children who can't read well. It's just, it's just, can't, I, read it's like, can't read good. Yeah, can't
0: read good. want to do other Is stuff this, good too. It's for ants? <laughs> Is this for ants? <laughs> needs to be at least three, three yeah, <laughs> at least three times larger. Yeah, at
1: least three times. <laughs> and the gasoline fight, like when I saw the gasoline fight.
3: <laughs> you too like, could oh die from a free God. gasoline fight.
1: That's so, funny. you googly,
0: you googly. <laughs> fucking Duchovny with his his golden yeah. hand. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm a hand jockey,
5: Derek. <laughs> Different than the face and body boys. To me, this might not be Owen Wilson's most memorable movie, but I think Hansel is his most memorable role. I don't know why it just is. Like it's it's like kind of what I'll always associate. Owen Wilson with being. I'm a wedding crafters guy with Owen Wilson, but this would be a very close number two. Yeah. I think that's the toss
1: up is those two. Actually, for me, it's Royal Titan Bombs. Like, to me, that's
2: Owen Wilson. There we go. In, the, in that. We love a difference of opinion. Yeah, we do. Good segue because I'm glad you guys had your moment. And I want everyone <laughs> to have this moment
4: and everyone listening to have this moment. I just want a voice to the people that are listening that are like, I hate this movie. You're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is not for me. I can recognize what certain things are not for me. This movie is not for me. <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to like it. This was my first time watching it. There's a reason why this is the first time I watched it. <laughs> I've I known I was not going to like
3: this movie forever. Is it safe to say last time you're going to watch it? Yep. Wrong side of history. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'm
3: okay with that. This is not for me.
2: We all can't have a good sense of humor.
0: Yeah. When I was 15, I was bulimic. You can read minds. (laughs) 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 I will
4: tell you something is terrible later.
0: Nice. (laughs) Oh. These are. I might have mentioned this before, but he ended up working with. Ben Stiller 13 times. Wow. Mm-hmm. So there's a chance Aubrey hated a lot of what he had to watch.
4: <laughs> I, 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 don't, I like Ben Stiller most of the time. <laughs> it's just like a handful of these are really just, they don't work
3: for
2: me. Behind Enemy Lines 2001, he played Burnett, alongside yeah. Jane Hackman.
3: I
5: really like this movie, but I don't tell people that. <laughs> 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 I know it's kind of like funny, but is this his first foray into like a serious... Action movie? A- as the star? Like a dramatic role? Yeah. Yeah, as the yeah. lead. Anaconda. Yeah, as the star, I guess. Or as the lead, I Thank should you. Say.
4: What are we doing? Anaconda.
3: Come on. Anac- Gene Hackman's reputation on set is notorious. I could imagine he probably did not like Owen Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me. But it if Owen Wilson did this movie now, with having developed some, some wider... Range, I think it would be a lot better movie. I I enjoy this movie. I would never say anything bad about it. I just wouldn't speak up at a party about it. But I I enjoyed this movie. I think it probably got hurt a little bit with Owen Wilson's more limited acting range at this time. Well, plus, I don't think he's an action star. Like, we we went
1: from the Royal Tunnen Bombs to this. It's like, why did anybody think
3: he should do an action film? Give it a shot. Gave it a shot. Yeah, give it a shot.
4: Yeah, but who asked him to be in it? It's the action comedy part. I don't know what I don't. I haven't seen behind the lines of forever, so I don't know if it's just like a straight thing. But like that's, it's like yeah, he's a funny guy. He could probably make it work. He's a handsome guy. Like throw him out there. Let's see what happens. And that part of it kind of makes sense to me. And he can be funny enough to where like it offers, it makes it easier to enjoy. Yeah, I get it, and I don't get it.
2: Was this movie about an ex-marine who returns to Vietnam when he learns his former mercenary part? Oh, because that's the Behind Enemy Lines I watched for about 30 minutes, because that's what (laughs) Roku told me. Roku was like, you search the actor, and it was like Behind Enemy Lines. It was like, free on Roku channel. I'm like, cool. I got about 30 minutes in. I was like, where the fuck is Owen Wilson? I'm watching the wrong Behind Enemy (laughs) (laughs)
5: Lines. No Gene Hackman either, probably. yeah. Yeah, Kyle watched The Deer Hunter and said... <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> it is on Netflix right now, for free, so... It is, yeah, yeah, I saw that. He was
1: all excited about John Voight and just went, yeah, oh, I gotta see some more John Voight.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so let's just say I, I did not re-watch Behind Any Lines. We gave it one shot. I gave up after that, so... The movie that uh, Jim just mentioned, Royal Tenenbaums, he was a writer, producer, and played the character Eli alongside Seymour Cassell and Angelica Houston, and he's worked with Angelica Houston a bunch as well, mostly because of Wes Anderson but he also got an Oscar nomination for best screenplay alongside Wes in this film so it's I think first and only Oscar nom (laughs) we haven't covered many actors who got a a writing screenplay nomination I think Emma Thompson's the only other one
5: we've ever covered that did oh good call I'm not really a big Wes Anderson fan which surprisingly I will get to when we when I discuss my review but Yeah, I don't know. This this one's never really clicked for me. I think Wes Anderson is probably
0: an acquired taste for a lot of people, but Mm -hmm. when it does work for me, I I very much enjoy it, and I I enjoyed Royal Tenenbaums a lot. I hate saying that this
1: specific Wes Anderson film is my favorite, because I'm a huge Wes Anderson fan. Huge. Like, the largest, like, anaconda size. (laughs) West <laughs> <Anderson fan. laughs> Makes sense
2: why you picked Owen Wilson. Yeah.
1: Can
4: we sense. measure fandoms? By Anacondas? Been doing it wrong this whole time.
2: Yeah.
4: I'm a half of Anaconda fan of Wes Anderson. Pause? I don't know, huh? No,
1: so you're a Python? You're a Python. <laughs>
4: yeah, Python. I love Wes Anderson. This movie was one where like, I don't know, it's just like sometimes you watch a movie and the anticipation of the movie kind of overshadows. The experience. I don't think it's bad at all. Yeah. I just need to rewatch it. I think on a rewatch, I'll love it. First time through, I just didn't. I just didn't kind of get into it for whatever reason. I admire it. I need another another watch on it because I I like Wes Anderson a lot. I'm really anxious to watch it again. Actually,
1: I think this is Gene Hackman's best film. I think he's
0: brilliant in it. Movie made me like Gwyneth Paltrow. You know how hard that is to do. Yes. (laughs) That's <laughs> incredibly difficult.
2: I'm glad someone said that. <laughs> I just love Ben Stiller and his kids in their jumpsuits. It makes me laugh time uh, I see him on the screen. Yes. So that's true. I Spy, in 2002, alongside Gary Cole and Eddie Murphy, and I'm pretty sure this movie bombed like a motherfucker, right?
5: It did. Yeah. Both at the box office, and I think critics hated it too. I want to say it's like yep. probably in like the teens in Rotten Tomatoes.
2: I couldn't bring myself to watch it. Yeah,
5: 1533, critic audience, and it lost 19 million. Because it is very bad. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I Spy, I can't remember who the Owen Wilson character was in the TV version, but I know that the Eddie Murphy version was Bill Cosby in I Spy. Oh. In the 60s.
2: Oh, really? I did not know that was the thing. Oh, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm.
4: It's a weird movie. Don't watch this. It's a weird
2: movie. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I've seen it multiple
4: I didn't do times. It. I watched this when I was like a teenager. I had the DVD of this movie for some reason. And I've seen it a handful of times. I rewatched it for this. It's really bad. And like Eddie Murphy can save pretty much anything for me. Because I just like watching him. Like if he does something dumb, I still am into it. He couldn't even save this one. This movie was weird. Rewows couldn't even save this movie. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs>
0: Damn.
1: <laughs> it's not to level seven of WoW, so, you know, that's
0: why. It's a decent amount of WoWs. There mm-hmm.
1: were seven WoWs that might have made it.
0: That's
4: true. This also plays into the action star point because he's never once believable as, like, it feels like the comedy comes from, like, I'm supposed to believe he's, like, a real spy. Mm-hmm. He's, like, like that part we're supposed to take as, like, that's a, he is a spy, and he's really good at it and it's like no he's not
1: I'll
0: it he's second. owen wilson he's not the yeah.
2: spy <laughs> he's hard to t- he's hard to take seriously in serious roles like that for sure yeah yes i think it's a great example
1: although i think he got- gets better at it yes he does i'm sure we're going to talk about it later
2: yeah starsky and hutch he plays hutchinson uh the film adaptation of obviously a very famous uh duo I didn't rewatch it but i do remember enjoying starsky and hutch before with vince vaughn playing the big baddie and do it bacardi and cola let's get a let's get a whiff of that new car smell do it
5: craig you mentioned uh him playing sort of morally bad characters who end up yeah this this he's He's, that's how he's he's a womanizer right sure yeah Yeah, and he's like a he's like a undercover cop who like actually like wants to be in the gangs like it's it's very <laughs> yeah, <hilarious. it's> <laughs> funny yeah my favorite bit of, on re-watching it is
0: ben stiller like the straight edge cop and owen wilson's like very much the slimy cop and they thought they found coke but it didn't smell or <laughs> taste like coke so they were like oh why is he just selling powdered sugar but that was like the whole bit is they're trying to make it so it's not detectable so it actually is coke. And so Ben Stiller has like a night where he's coked out of his mind. He doesn't realize it. And he goes and he passes out and that leaves Owen Wilson with the two, like smoking (laughs) hot chicks that they're with. And he's like, Hey man, I just wanted to let you know that actually was cocaine. He's like, Oh yeah. How'd you know? He's like, well, I tested it. He's like, and, and she tested it and she tested it. And we all, we all just kept testing it all night together. He's like, it's cocaine promise. He's
3: like, that's definitely what it is. And great use of the bill withers. Use me song in that scene. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. The only
1: thing I liked in this was Snoop Dogg, but then Snoop <laughs> <of> Dogg. <Doug-Dogson is, laughs> what was his name, like Huggy
3: or Bear or something like that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep, Huggy Bear. Bear.
3: Any TV
1: show that was like a cop film, they got to bring them back. I just I fucking hate all of them. They're just all terrible. Every single one.
0: There's that rage. I like the uh, the bit for. Snoop Dogg's henchmen are like incredibly intelligent, but they just like act like thug henchmen. But every time they talk, they're like really, really smart. A
5: black hole is a, or yeah. Or what does he say about, (laughs) yeah, it's just
0: hilarious. hilarious. Like actually, Iguana's tails can regenerate. You know, it takes time.
2: (laughs) Well, let's go to another Jackie Chan crossover around the world in 80 days. You played Wilbur in 2004.
5: Never saw it and I didn't watch it. I didn't rewatch this. I was too busy uh, watching the big bounce which was riveting. Let me tell you. I have seen that. I have seen that. He's not the worst part of that movie. That I'll say that. No, the chick is, bro. She's so bad. Unbelievably gorgeous, but she cannot act. Who? Sarah Foster. I was watching it with my wife and I was like, I am willing to, because I never heard of her.
0: And she's in this movie with like Charlie Sheen and Owen Wilson um Morgan E. Jones, Morgan Freeman, right, exactly, and, I was like, and and she's the like the main uh like love interest. And I've never heard of her. I was like my guess is she like married someone rich or famous and just quit acting. And I look it up and that's exactly what happened. I was like, nice nailed it. <laughs> yeah, it's just, she married uh Tommy Haas, the world champion tennis player, and just called yep. a, called it a career after one movie. And I'm done here. I respect the hustle. Same here. It's hard work, it's hard work. Life Aquatic with Steve
2: Zissou, another Wes Anderson film alongside Seymour mm-hmm. Cassell, Angelica Houston, Willem Dafoe coming out of nowhere on this one. Yep. And Bill Murray, the big bill. Delightfully
0: quirky. Yes. Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. The critics didn't like this one.
2: Yeah, they didn't. And I know they Ned Plimpton is his character's name. and I know Wes Owen Wilson wasn't able to do the film before this. And, but he created the character for Owen in this film. So it was created specifically for him, which I think is always kind of cool.
1: I love that Saint, Sez georges um, did all the Bowie music in it and redid it all and put an album out. And that album is just like one of the best, most solid albums of all times. If you haven't heard it, highly suggest you all listen to it. Mm-hmm. Can you say the name of it again? Uh, the, the performer says Saint, georges I think he's Brazilian. S E U j-o-r-g-e i believe he's an actor too so but uh he's also a singer
0: we love it yeah the soundtrack is amazing
3: he sounds handsome <laughs> he's very
5: handsome
0: oh yeah yeah <laughs> you fair. guys are all one correct on the spelling and two correct on him being handsome yeah you guys are all correct yeah <laughs> i think i could
5: just listen to you say his name the rest of the episode i don't know about you guys <laughs>
0: George. Uh, I'll just give me the cue. I'll just
1: say it. It'll be like a it'll be like a Wow. wow. Saint wow. George. George.
3: <laughs> I'm a huge fan of says George or whatever his name is. Yeah, we. Oui. Very talented. <laughs>
2: hey, oui. Wedding Crashers 2005 played John classic film, classic comedy. hopefully this is not the one that Aubrey hated cuz that would hurt my soul a little bit cuz You want me to do it now or later?
4: Do it, uh, bring it. No, I love this movie. I'm not. I, I was about
2: to say,
5: okay,
4: yeah. This movie also
5: contains my favorite Will Ferrell performance of all time.
2: It's so
4: <laughs> yeah.
5: fucking good. One of the best. What one the of the fuck best, fuck like most random you cameos ever. The Meatloaf.
3: Yeah.
2: Crazy horny.
3: <laughs> I love Bradley Cooper in this movie. Yep. Oh, he's great. I
1: like a lot of this movie. I just cannot stand Vince Vaughn in comedies. I'm sorry. I think he's completely awful. But I think as a dramatic
0: actor, he's brilliant. The painting was a gift, Todd. I'm keeping it. <laughs> Great one, dude. That's interesting because I, I I would say that this like plays to Vince Vaughn's strengths comedically, where it's essentially just like his fast talking, manic sarcasm. I don't even wear a belt. Yeah, <laughs> dude. And I think that's when he does his best.
1: But I don't think he does anything good in comedy. So there you go. It, it, that's I mean, that makes sense, yeah. I'm pulling an Aubrey out right now. I'm just
3: playing it out there.
1: Owen Wilson was great in it.
3: One of the things that hurts this movie for me is it, the fans of it. Because it is grossly overquoted. Yeah. <clears throat> Crab cakes and football. That's what Marilyn does. They're so quotable. It's incredibly quotable. But I don't need to hear it in my day-to-day conversations.
2: Owen Wilson's got a couple zingers in there. Especially when they're out hunting. And he, he says... I don't even know what a fucking quail is. Are you kidding me? Fantastic. You got six wows. Six
0: wows. S-
5: sounds funny. Sounds funny. <laughs> the one thing I'll say about this movie uh, that has always bothered me, and it is this is a, one of my favorite comedies ever, I, I just think that he and Rachel McAdams have absolutely zero chemistry. Uh, that's always... Ooh.
2: Did you say J-Lo and Marry Me? Is that what you said? Oh, <laughs> dude. Pretty sure. Pretty oh, hold saying. on. We'll get there. We'll get there. My bad. My bad. i was thinking ahead. I don't know what you're doing there. I was thinking ahead. Thinking ahead. Tread lightly. Saint George? I'm going to scorch that fucking romance when we get there. So just wait.
1: <laughs> burn, baby, burn.
2: I didn't
5: notice it, but I'm thinking about it now and it makes a little bit more sense. I just can never buy them. It's like, is this lady really going to give up Bradley Cooper and his like Georgetown pedigree to go with this guy? See what marriage is going to be like with Ike Turner up there.
4: Yeah. Ooh, he does a really good job of, of turning on Bradley Cooper. Oh, yeah. He can't go back.
0: Yeah, it's so funny because he's like a non-profit, like pro-environment, you know, Ivy League guy. And then in his personal life, he's the biggest douchebag on earth. It's so
5: funny. I'm reading Don't Kill Myself books. <laughs> Speaking of quotes, Craig, I would say, oh, I bet it would, Hillbilly. White trash.
0: White trash. (laughs) Her name is Chastity. She is white trash. Case, you're mentioning how you love Bradley Cooper in this. The director of this movie said he's like, I've "I've always steadfastly believe, like, don't hire someone based on one audition. Make them read multiple times, get multiple eyes on them to see if, you know, if maybe they just nailed it one time, but they're not the right fit. And it's like, and the only time I've ever broken that rule was when Bradley Cooper auditioned for that role. He's like, I hired him on the spot. I was like, this is the guy who's playing yeah. Zack. Like, that's him. Like, he, he nailed it. It's perfect for it. <laughs> that's great.
2: There's so many things. We've only covered 10 years. Like, he's just so busy during this time. Because then he starts his first of three as Lightning McQueen and Cars, a movie we talked about in the Bonnie Hunt episode. Not everyone's favorite Pixar films, I feel like, is the
0: prevailing wisdom there. First one's good. Just stopped after that one. Yeah, it's, it's it's a passably good movie. How does he do in voice roles? I think if he's in the right
1: one, it is. You're going to hear more about that in a bit, but it, he yeah.
4: it works <laughs> for me because his voice is so distinct. It's distinct, and I think that really matters when it comes to like mm-hmm. voiceover worth. Yeah, your voice has to have like character edge. personality. It's got to have some edge to it. Yeah, his voice lends to that because his voice is kind of dynamic so it lends to this kind of work which i think that character has become iconic in large part simply because of the voice how it sounds Mm -hmm. not even necessarily any of the the acting that's being done i think the first movie is great and the other two could just they don't even exist in my mind
3: you're a Big Larry the cable guy fan. <laughs> I've actually never seen these. So the Lightning McQueen is a he's one of the main characters, right? He is the main character. Owen okay. Wilson is the main character of the cars. He's the car. He is
2: the car.
0: There are they're all cars.
2: The movie's called Cars. Yeah,
0: but he's the car, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you see cars and a car, it's usually him other than Aubrey's favorite which is Larry the cable guy is Mater. Uh, we all know Huge fan. Tow truck if you were
2: wondering, love, Case.
5: Love that guy.
0: Case, <laughs> to
2: your point, they did hinge this entire trilogy franchise on Owen Wilson as the the main voice actor. So it says something about higher ability there.
1: Yeah. It fits. Like this one does fit his voice.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It does. It really does. Like, and I think it could be NASCAR's the South, and he's
2: from the South, so he gets it. hmm Yep. Good point. Agree. A movie we talked about in the Matt Dillon episode. He's Dupree and you, me and Dupree from 2006. (laughs) Dupree is an unwanted guest in Matt Dillon's home. Yes, he is. When He finds out that, uh, he likes to not follow any of the rules ever. Seven different kinds of smoke. (laughs) I like you, me and Dupree. this is what we talked about on that episode. It's, I don't mind it.
3: Owen Wilson's like outside of the box of living and acting towards situations is on full display here. Whether it be he's wearing Kate Hudson's robe or he's, you know, riding a bike or he's just hanging out at the bar. All these just wild scenarios. He he somehow is still able to
5: make it seem authentic while while being crazy. But Mm -hmm. I love him as like a slacker with like, Mm -hmm. yes, no direction. I think he's great. When he's interviewing for the job and he's like, he's like, you guys don't work on Columbus Day, do you? And the guy's like, and the interviewing manager's like, yeah, we do. He's like, oh, man, I'm afraid to even ask about Victory Over Japan Day. And he just like looks at him and he's like, well, I'll take my resume. And he just walks out.
3: <laughs> that whole dichotomy of him as this just slacker, loose guy versus this high, strong type A personality. Same year, God, 2006, what a busy year Good grief He First of three Night of the
2: Museum films He plays Jedediah uh, a, a film where Rami Malek makes an appearance Toward the end of the film But another Ben Stiller project uh, He was never there with Ben Stiller Because he plays a mini cowboy That's always in scenes with Steve Coogan And they do not like each other But they're friends by the end in their little mini car Cute
4: I watched that today I hate all three of these movies
2: <laughs> you hate all three, all three of them. them. I've never watched one. I did an internship at the American Museum of Natural History, so it's interesting watching the first one and seeing some things. But other than that, I'm like, eh. I hope kids like it.
1: Yeah, that's. I think that's the thing with with anything that is made for kids. Mm-hmm. They throw in some adult humor in it, but it's a, it's totally a kids movie.
2: I like watching it for Robin Williams because I, I I like anything with Robin Williams, and that was fun. Was he Teddy Roosevelt in this? He was. Mm-hmm. Or a version of Teddy Roosevelt. Right. Yeah. But the 2007 film that he says is probably his favorite Wes Anderson film, and that's the Darjeeling Limited. Uh, he plays Francis, one of the three brothers in the movie. And that's why he said he thinks he gravitates so much to it, because of he's very close to his brothers, Andrew and Luke. And that storyline is has a lot of meaning to him. I think the
1: fun funnest part about this is that he's like the older brother and he's kind of controlling them through the whole thing. I forgot how much I love this film when I rewatched it. I was just like, yeah, it's just such a great, strong family dynamic from Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. And and I think Owen Wilson shines in this. Like, I love all those actors and I just think he, he kind of outshone
2: all, all of them, which I don't normally say. Because it's with Brody and Schwartzman are the other two brothers, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. He said he loved being in India as well. That was the other part he loved yeah. about the film. So Yeah, and Angelica Houston again. So mm-hmm. I feel like the Darjeeling Limited is his most slept on film for Wes Anderson. Well, to take it down, down a notch into a serious territory, apparently he had a suicide attempt in 2007 and uh, Andrew, his older brother, really helped him through that time. He doesn't really like talking about it I'm sure James will chime in on that but the nugget that I noticed is he re- was originally going to be in the movie Tropic Thunder, one of my favorite comedies with Ben Stiller and then he was replaced by Matthew McConaughey. So he would have played the agent which I don't think he would have played it as well as Matthew McConaughey did. So I'm kind of <laughs> I'm not not that I'm happy that he had Yeah, be careful. <laughs> don't don't misconstrue this. But I think Matthew McConaughey was a much better cast for that character that they
0: wrote. So they just needed a Longhorn for that role. One who graduated, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> graduated. Yeah, he stopped doing a lot of uh, less interviewing. He's out of the public eye a lot less, and so you'll see him still does movie red carpets. And obviously, we're going to talk about the remainder of his career. But after this, he kind of stopped being as public facing with his career as he was.
2: And then the first of a couple dog movies marley and me J- james favorite movie ever he loves it when dog movies happen no, because the dogs always let's, survive
0: let's skip so. let's skip over this one <laughs> no what i will say is this was the last dog movie i actually actively saw and you want to know why because the dog dies mm-hmm. marley dies a horrific death and the movie Fuck that i don't want to watch movies that just make you cry agreed Hey, have you ever had a pet die? Do you want to think about him and cry? Come watch this movie. Why would I want to experience that? I agree. And this was the last dog movie I ever actively sought out. I cried at the end of Armageddon because it was so awful. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to close my eyes.
3: So, James, you're telling me that him dropping wow six times and Marley and me couldn't even save this? (laughs) Love that
0: so much. It almost did. It's one of those movies where it's like, Oh, this rascally dog won't listen. It's like the Beethoven thing where like this dog just keeps causing issues for everyone. But if at the end Beethoven dies and you're like, what the fuck? (laughs) You're like, come on, bro. Like it's like, hey, this rascally dog has stomach cancer. Anyway, have a good night. You're like, sick, bro. I can't wait to Go home now. I mean, love the movie. It was great. What the fuck? We could have had the Marley trilogy. Don't kill the
2: dog off. Let's keep it going. Homeward bound.
4: They made a sequel.
2: To, they made a sequel? They made
0: another one. Wait, what? What? Get the it's called Marley from the grave. It's like about a zombie dog or some shit. No, it's Pet Cemetery too. That's what it is. was <laughs> yes, <I don't>, exactly.
1: <laughs> Marley and you, the next one. The 2011 movie. The
3: puppy years, man. Oh, yeah, it's a prequel.
2: Uh, naturally. <laughs> oh, there you go. That makes sense. You know? <laughs> yeah. gotta, we got to have the backstory, the Marley backstory. Uh, we didn't get enough of it. N- None of character development of the Marley universe. It's the benefit of physical media, man.
4: Caught that trailer right before I watched another Owen Wilson movie. <laughs> Reacted the same way you guys did. Like, what are we doing here? I mean, it's odd to say that you like this movie, but I was really interested to rewatch it because I had only watched it one time. It felt brutal memory of it going through it Mm -hmm. i was like i'm not ever doing that again there's no need to i saw it i was interested to see like if it was good or if it was like emotionally manipulative like what kind of the bit was
3: it made 256 million u.s dollars
2: (laughs) death cells case you should know that. I guess so, man. We all know
0: that's the sign of a really good movie. Is the more yeah, money it's it the amount of money it makes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to American dollars. Those are the that's the, <laughs> the, the the smartest viewer of and yeah. consumer of art. Yeah, absolutely. Avatar
1: two,
3: man. It's the best movie <laughs> of all time. <laughs> well, it's significant when you're like I'm paying money to watch a dog die. Like I I can't do that. It's a, it's amazing to me how much money. That made I think everybody wins there. Watch the prequel. Molly
0: <laughs> can't die <laughs> yeah, in that that's one. A good point. You know there's a second so, one.
3: Yeah. How about how about instead we
2: recommend people go watch our highest critic score, which is Fantastic Mr. Fox, where he plays Coach Skip.
5: Well done, alongside Willem Dafoe, and that's Rigby's review. As you guys know, I don't really a like Wes Anderson movies, and I don't really b like animated movies. Those theories got turned up on their head in this one. I really enjoyed this movie. Ooh. And I'd never seen it. I knew it was really critically high-rated. F- yeah, Fantastic Mr. Fox is a 2009 stop-motion uh, animated film uh, starring George Clooney as the Fantastic Mr. Fox, uh, Meryl Streep, uh, Jason Schwartzman, Bill Murray. I mean, a lot of the uh, the Wes Anderson favorites are in this one. Um, and Owen Wilson, as you mentioned, Kyle, plays Coach Skip. He is not in this a lot. He's in one scene high school, or he's like a school gym teacher, basically, or coach of George Clooney's Fox son played by Jason Schwartzman. I kind of wish I probably would have reviewed a different Owen Wilson role just because it's, again, it's very minor. Um, but I was happy to get, I finally got to see this movie. It's really clever. I found it very intelligent, family friendly, which is kind of outside the box for Wes Anderson as well. the, Premise of the movie is Mr. Box, played by George Clooney. He is a former thief who, after 12 years of not living out his animal instincts, reverts back to a life of crime uh, against the wills of his wife, played by Meryl Streep, and kind of gets his family into, into deep crap, I should say, and um, bonds together with a bunch of other animals going after these farmers. Bill Murray, like I said, um, and some other famous voice actors as well. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I found it to be um, a whimsical watch. It's it's like 85 minutes long, so it's really short. So if you haven't seen it, I say go check it out on HBO Max. I think you'll enjoy it.
2: Yeah, it's a really good film. I'm a big fan of Fantastic Mr. Fox. I know Warren was as well. He had a lot of good things to say when we covered Willem Dafoe and Willem Dafoe's character. That rat is so funny.
5: So funny. Uh, He's got like a quirky little dance to him and like he does like the West Side Story like click thing where he uh, where he snaps his fingers like Mm -hmm. it's a really clever role. I bought his voice corresponding to the animal the best of any of them just because Willem Dafoe kind of looks like a rat. So it just worked out accurate. (laughs) This
1: is um, my partner on my podcast's favorite movie of
5: all time. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's a good pick. Yeah, I'm here for that. It's a great pick. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know my kind of animosity towards animation um, and Wes Anderson. And so I wasn't really looking forward to it, but I was very pleasantly surprised by it. Well, it's interesting because this,
1: this one is like very Wes Anderson-y. Like it's mm-hmm. very, very Wes Anderson-y. So the fact that you don't like Wes Anderson and then really like this was kind of interesting.
2: Huh? How about we keep it moving to our next review? We haven't had review in 20 years up to this point with his career. then we got back to back with largest audience gap and another dog film and another voice role in Marmaduke from 2010. And Jim is our guest months and going to talk a little bit about it.
1: Yeah. I think James should watch this one over Marley and me for sure. (laughs) It starts out with Owen Wilson's voice as the narrator. And you just think, Oh, he's the narrator. Then you find out, no. Wrong. He's actually a talking dog named Marmaduke. Nice. Yeah, so this is a story of a family, their giant great Dane, who moved from Kansas to California for a dad to get, I'm gonna go, a better life for his family, followed by nonstop situations where Marmaduke goes from a situation where he does something silly or idiotic or whatever causing I'm guessing a funny thing for five-year-olds to laugh at Marmaduke wrecking things Uh, Judy Greer is the mom who apparently it's her stereotype these days she does her best mom that she can do Uh, talking cat played by George Lopez as Marmaduke's brother cat the dog park dog cast of Christopher mintz Plus, Steve Coogan, Fergie, Kiefer Sutherland, Emma Stone, Damon Wayans Jr., Marlon Wayans are cute in that kind of talking dog kind of way, I guess I would say. Basically, the entire movie is Marmaduke talking and narrating and pretty much making a running commentary of everything that's happening akin to the look-who's-talking franchise What I thought made the comic strip of Marmaduke so endearing was a one page a day, quick in and out, and a silly situational comic of a large dog. Why anyone would want to turn that into a movie was absolutely beyond me. (laughs) Uh, This is a family-friendly, talking animal movie movie. That has every trope that could possibly be squeezed into an hour and 39 minutes of a talking animal movie. The only thing in this that surprised me about it in regards to the script or the plot was that I was truly surprised about how nauseous I felt by the time I got to the end of this movie. This is not a film for adults in any way, shape, or form (laughs) who do not have to attend without a child in their presence, because it's corny, it's not funny, and I'm going to steal a line from Aubrey and say, I am not the target audience for this movie. After seeing it, though, I'm still not sure who that is. And personally, talking about his voice acting, I don't think this was a good match for Owen's voice playing Marmaduke. It did not fit at all. They needed, like, Patrick Warburgen or someone to play Marmaduke. They did not need a surfer dude dog to play this. It, this movie is truly, if not as worse as Armageddon, it is completely awful and unwatchable. But James, you should watch it.
0: Unfortunately, I've seen this movie and I did not finish it because when I realized the majority of the jokes were based around farts, I was like, oh, yeah, this is for... <laughs> Small children. I'm gonna watch something else. <laughs> this is not. This is not for me. Yeah, this was. This was really painful.
2: So, Jim, I'm gonna guess you're on the lower end of the audience gap, of 42 to nine. Yeah, if there was a a one out of, You can do that.
1: Whatever the number is, whatever the number is, one, one out of a hundred, or if there's less than one, if it's a fraction, then I would go with a fraction <laughs> of one. We can go as low as you want, buddy. Uh, negative. Negative
2: integers.
0: If you don't think CGI farts are funny, then this movie's not for you, and that's something you have to accept.
2: I did give Jim the option of switching out reviews from having to watch Marmaduke, and he said I will still do Marmaduke. So I love that. I just want you. To, he's he's a trooper. That's what I'm saying. He's a trooper. <laughs> we say
1: that we say this on our podcast a lot. We're not called film love. We're yep. called film rage. Yep. So like, there you go. <laughs> Right. Dare me to see a terrible movie, I will watch it.
3: (laughs) Yep. Marmaduke, four wows. Mm. As a proud Great Dane owner, I disagree with the casting of Owen Wilson. He is not a Great Dane voice. No.
2: No, he's not. All right, well, we'll keep it moving. Appreciate you, Jim. Tackling the largest audience gap for us. Well, we're in the 2010s now, and so the first thing to note was he played the other study group's leader in one episode of Community in 2010, acted opposite Christina Applegate and Jason Sudeikis in Hall Pass in 2011, played Rick.
5: It's a Warren Hicks favorite.
4: This is the first time I watched this movie. I avoided it for a long time because I thought I would hate it, and it was was fun. (laughs) Oh, I love Hall Pass. Anytime I start to think about it, I just tell myself to stop thinking about it, because there's some, I've got questions, but it was a good time. I enjoyed this a lot more than I ever thought that I would. I'd watch this one again for sure.
3: Was he in his normal like slacker role, and Sudeikis was the uptight character, or was it flipped? No, opposite.
0: No, he's he's the uptight one.
5: Oh, okay. Yeah, he's the uptight one.
0: The scene that sticks out to me is when that girl is drunk in the bathroom, and Sudeikis is like, yes. <laughs> trying to like talk her down from the ledge." Yes. And she sneezes and sprays all over the wall. (laughs) Yes. Oh. His reaction is what makes it so – because, like, it's naturally going to be, like, you know, repulsive humor, but it's his, like, calm reaction, just leaning over and, like, nodding, be like, yep.
5: (laughs) this movie always makes me think of Warren just because I always remember him loving it. And it's, it's very, it's very Warren Hicks type comedy. The
2: first night that they're on their hall pass, they go to Applebee's and they're like, they think that's a place to meet women.
5: Yeah. they yes.
0: <laughs> don't know what to do Yeah. Listen,
2: we got a whole week, man. We just got to go back and you know, get some rest and yeah. be ready for
1: night two. <laughs> Anytime you put Richard Jenkins in anything, too, it's it's worth seeing. Oh,
2: Richard Jenkins character is fucking hilarious. It's like the I love Richard Jenkins, the savvy uh, bar guy who can pull any woman coaching him. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. First of three kids he had in 2011 with Jade Duel. I don't know how you pronounce her last name, but he was dating her at the time and they had a son together back in 2011 and he had three. So he had. A son with Caroline Lindquist in 2014, and then he had a daughter with Veruni Vongsverates in 2018. Anytime you have three different baby mamas, I'm like, all right, let's see if this guy's got a type. <laughs> and uh, two of them are Asian. So. <laughs> yeah, his type is different women. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Cannon style, right? <laughs> yes. Three kids over, uh, what, over seven years, essentially, with three different women. Wasn't married to any of them, so you know, take judge accordingly from your own personal uh, months and meter perspective, I guess. Say as yours.
0: <laughs> I will say I don't think any of them were uh, unplanned. I think it's all three people he's either had a relationship with or been friends with, and they were all actively chosen to happen. <laughs> Can you confirm that?
2: A movie that doesn't have great ratings, but I actually I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. I watched The Big Year. And he plays Bostic, like the number one birder in the world. And it's it's a movie about three guys competing to see the most birds in a given year. And it's dumb, but I actually enjoyed it. I have seen it. I did like it. I, I saw it when it came out. It wasn't too bad. Angelica Houston's fun in it. And the other two main characters are Steve Martin and Jack Black. And so those three competing to. Dis- see the most birds. And it has some heartwarming storylines with like Brian Dennehy and playing Jack Black's dad and better understanding where his son's coming from. Rosamund Pike plays Owen Wilson's wife, which another relationship that I don't buy in the slightest bit whatsoever. But that's another theme. Owen Wilson as a romantic heartthrob. is not really the the type, I think, that sells to audiences. But a character that his type cast works really well for is his role as Gil in Midnight in Paris from 2011, a movie we talked about on the Michael Sheen episode. Uh, I know Rigby and I have had this conversation many a times. I'm not a big Woody Allen guy, but I like Woody Allen films when he's not in them. And in this case, casting Owen Wilson as basically his character in this film film about going back in time was a perfect choice of casting in my mind. I agree.
1: I hate to say it out loud, but I'm a huge Woody Allen fan, other than the his personal life.
2: Rigby, same thing.
1: Yeah, Jim, I, I completely agree. I've seen every single one of his movies up until the, you know, time. Let's just call it that. It's the type of Woody Allen that I love to see, mm-hmm. which is the wacky, like Alice or Triple Rose at Cairo or like even going back to bananas and
0: sleeper. And it's just wacky and fun. I love the casting. We always give Rigby shit, but it's because of that exact thing is, you know, Woody Allen is this acclaimed director He's just a piece of shit. And so we like to, uh, tie the art
5: to the artist when it's someone Rigby likes specifically (laughs) and Kyle I agree even though my favorite Woody Allen movie is one where he is a star in it and that's Crimes and Misdemeanors um, I think the handful of other of his favorites he's not he's just the director of so I'm with you like Sometimes that Sometimes the Woody Allen role works, and sometimes it doesn't. And I, I almost prefer him without it. To be He's
2: honest just with too me. neurotic for my liking, in yeah. most,
5: in, like, in most of his roles. Favored movies among like critics and just Hollywood people are probably Annie Hall and Manhattan. And I think those are. I actually think those are more of his on of his overrated. Jim, you might disagree mm-hmm. with me on that, but I, I've never seen the acclaim of those that I think they deserve. When I see
1: Owen Wilson, I find him in his quirkiness that a soft woody allen character that he plays most of the time he's a dallas version of woody allen that's like you know half his age Mm -hmm. i just really feel that who who he is maybe he's modeled his acting after woody allen i don't know it's a perfect choice for that
4: that character
2: Mm -hmm. this was my first watch oh you've never seen it before oh shit
4: i watched it because you guys raved about it and it was my first watch of all my own Wilson prep, and it's my favorite movie of the whole thing that I watched. Nice, I, this movie is wonderful. I adore this movie,
2: dude. Corey Stoll as Ernest Hemingway is perfect. It's so good, so good. This
4: movie is just beautiful. It's beautiful to watch. I just, I'll, I'll probably watch this movie dozens of more times. I love this movie.
3: I have a theory on why you guys like this movie so much. It's that he sets a personal record with seven wows. <laughs> that's <laughs> it. And I, and I think that's why you guys are all on, on that side
2: of it. And I love Michael Sheen. So.
4: It's got nothing to do with the Rachel McAdams love interest to Marianne mm-hmm. Cotillard to any of Leah Cedoux. It's got nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. The wows.
2: The internship returns back to the screen with uh, Vince Vaughn. I'm sure a comedy that Jim very much loved because he loves Vince Vaughn and comedies. I loved it.
0: Everything about it except Vince Vaughn. <laughs> it's fine. It's kind of kind of basic, but like mm-hmm. their chemistry together is the only thing that kind of keeps it moving. Yeah. They're going through like HR training, and it's like, is it okay to date a coworker? And everyone says no, except them. And, and Owen Wilson's like, Yeah, you're young and you're in love, and you're in a strange new place, and like, where are you going to meet other people? And like, in my heart, like that's truly how I felt. And when I was watching the movie, I was like, Oh, is that how? Not how. I'm supposed to feel? I was, like, oh, no. I was like, oh no, I'm on the wrong side of history here.
2: Um, lowest critic score is Are You Here? He plays Steve Dallas in 2013, In Case has not
3: I mean, we just had a riveting conversation about how good one of his movies was. We could have an equally riveting conversation about how not good this movie is. This is not an enjoyable watch. I, you guys, I fell asleep four times trying <laughs> to finish this movie. <laughs> I'm done with painkillers, so I can't blame that on the Percocets. Quick summary. Essentially, what happens is Zach Galifianakis and Amy Poehler are brother and sister, and their dad, off screen, he passes away and leaves basically all of the estate. They have a big farm and a store, and he leaves everything to the slacker, Zach Galifianakis, who's best friends with Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson drives Zach Galifianakis back for the funeral, and then that's where we meet Amy Poehler's character. We just kind of follow them through this process of trying to go through and process the dad's death, how to handle the estate, and and all these different things. I like what they were trying to do in this movie. They were trying to tackle some pretty big topics, and I think... Wilson, Galifianakis, and Polar were all trying to have different types of roles. You know, Amy Polar plays this like super bitch, but she doesn't do it ironically like she does in like uh Blades of Glory, right? Kind of a nasty person who's hiding behind this concept that she's trying to do what's best for everybody. And then Zach Galifianakis is just he's slacker who's who has a ton of mental health issues. And then Owen Wilson's character he, he's kind of what we've we've grown used to him in other roles but you can kind of tell that he's dissatisfied with his life as this womanizing kind of fast talker so it just misses in a lot of different ways and i i just found it to be a kind of a tough watch not from a content but from a pacing from a writing from a direction I, I love what all three of those main characters were trying to do. Unfortunately, it just didn't get to where I, I hoped it would have. Mm-hmm. So Kyle always asks us at this point, oh, somehow I just edged out Marmaduke at a 8% <laughs> <in laughs> critic rating. <laughs> so, dang it. I, I hate to rail on movies because I know a lot goes into making films and it, a lot goes into it. So, you know, I, I, I'd definitely give it more than 10%, I suppose, but it just doesn't get anywhere. I think all the actors in it did a stellar job.
1: Like, yeah, Galifianakis was at the top of his game. Wilson was at the top of his game. Po- Amy Poehler was in a role I'd never seen her in. So I love seeing films where the where the actors have to push their acting talents beyond what their traditional roles are. So that part I fully enjoyed, and I I did like the way they portrayed. His his mental illness. So there was pieces of this I really did enjoy, but I would agree with you that the movie itself is probably a little bit of a hot mess. It, mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. I think you're right. The pacing was a little off, but I still didn't hate it. I didn't fall asleep in it, so I'm, I feel proud of that. Then
3: four times, <laughs> four times, nice. And Jim, that scene where we first see Zach Galifianak <laughs> Zach Galifianak is clean shaven. Yeah. You can't recognize him. You're like, holy shit, who is this character? I don't think I've ever seen him
1: clean shaven. So I was just like, Uh
3: -uh. (laughs) How the hell did
1: they
4: get him to shit? This is the movie I was gonna say is
2: bad. Oh, there we go. Well, the the numbers would align with your opinion.
4: Yeah. Generally I'm with case on like I don't like to rail against movies. This is usually the only place that I kind of do that. On the website there's something that's like really bad. Generally, I just don't write it because I know that making movies is hard. There's a bunch that goes into a, a movie being bad. Be from a bunch of different things. So I'd say the most charitable read of this movie is kind of what Case was doing, but that it's just mostly harmless. <laughs> like it's just like
0: <laughs>
4: tried and it didn't really work. Yeah, we kind the boat. Less charitable version of this kind of examines some of the flaws a little bit more closely. This movie some stances it treats its women horribly mm-hmm. if we look at the stepmother character
2: laura ramsey
4: this movie really does her wrong because it kind of robs her of any level of agency it just gives you like a sentence backstory of i went to college so like i'm not who you think i am but the other women in the movie or mainly just amy Polar. Is just shouting at her the whole time and essentially calling her a gold digger and a whore. The movie takes that stance and then says, let's have her randomly sleep with Zach Galifianakis and fall in love with Owen Wilson and never leave this house. Yes. And also, every time you see her, she'll be doing one of two things cooking or cleaning. Mm-hmm. And that's her character. Maybe the performances are fine. I don't really know because I was just. Blown away by how odd all of these choices were, and how and it kept they just kept doubling down and getting worse. By the end, Owen Wilson's not a better person. He's still terrible. Like he just sides in that one moment, and he goes and kind of apologizes to Zach Galifianakis, but not really. Yeah. Then kind of apologizes to the other woman, and they just kiss, and everything's fine. He did it because he quit his job, but got a raise because he shows up to this job drunk and high all the time. It's bizarre. This movie's awful.
3: The love thing is terrible, too. Aubrey, I, I thank you for your service and saying all the things that I didn't want to say, so appreciate you, buddy. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm here for that.
2: And I'm going to keep us moving because the world doesn't deserve any more about Are You Here? Amen. In the slightest. But you all did a phenomenal job. Before our last review, Grand Budapest Hotel plays M. Chuck alongside Willem Dafoe as well in 2014. It's another Wes Anderson film. Great movie. Highly acclaimed Wes Anderson film. Lots of awards love that year. And then our largest critic gap, which honestly I don't know how much he's in it, but we'll find out here in a second as Aubrey goes through it, is Inherent Vice. He played Coy in 2014. Who has seen this movie? Once, and it was a long time ago.
5: Yeah, same here. I don't think I have. I think I-, I saw it in theater, so it's been 2014 for me.
4: Yeah, same. So that was my relationship with this. I saw it in 2014. I think this movie's great. Essentially, it's in the 70s. It's about a private investigator, um, Doc, by Joaquin Phoenix. And essentially, he's just investigating the disappearance of his ex, of an ex girlfriend with his cat, Catherine Watterson, which leads him down like a path of like multiple different things that intersect to, to create what I mean, I say this in the most generous way possible is a bit of a convoluted plot. I asked if everyone had seen this movie because I don't have like a real in depth review because I'm still processing this. I watched it today. Um, There's just a lot to parse through with it. I enjoy it and I enjoy it the way that I just enjoy extraordinary filmmaking because Anderson is a master. This movie looks and sounds amazing. The production design of it, I am just really taken with Joaquin Phoenix is killing because th- that's kind of what this guy just does. He just shows up and kills, um, and so that's what he's doing here. Catherine Watterson's is he's awesome all the time. Um, her character's a bit odd in this one, so that's one of the ones I'm still kind of parsing through. But I think the movie's great. I just I just need more time to process it. To be honest, it's one of those where it's really complicated. It's there's a lot going on don't really know what to take away thematically yet. I will watch this again almost immediately because it's and my it's really well made. So it works in that sense. And it's a good movie. I would recommend it. I would also really love to hear other people talk about it. Help me kind of process it.
2: What was uh, Owen Wilson's role in the movie?
4: Oh yeah, Owen Wilson's in this movie. <laughs> he's he's in it a, a decent amount. He's um comedic really at all it's comedic in the way that like pta can be comedic so it's kind of like a little offbeat and under like underhanded his character he's playing it pretty straight he's someone that kind of gets involved with multiple different people and essentially is i guess faking his death to not have to deal with those people so he had to like leave his family and stuff like that he becomes someone that joaquin phoenix has to investigate gets called in to investigate what happened to him. And that leads him to other stuff. And Owen Wilson, is it's a performance that I wanted. I was seeking out more dramatic stuff these past couple days from him. And it was something that I wanted. And he was really good. He does really good in this.
3: I'm looking at the cast, and I can kind of piece together a couple, or most of the performers in here. But what roles did Maya Rudolph and Martin Short play? Maya
4: Rudolph was like his... Kind of like his secretary. She was like the secretary of the do- the doctor's office that he ran his private in- investigation business out of. Not about that, she shows up a couple of times. Okay, and she's funny. I think most of the time that she shows up, minor like, part. It's a minor part. It's real like undermined. She makes a couple of jokes. She just shows up. You'd miss her if you're not paying attention.
2: It's a perfect role to put your wife in. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Which she plays in a lot of his stuff, just a small part because she's married to the guy.
4: And Martin Short shows up for, like, one scene, I think. He's in a couple. He's a dot. He plays the dentist or whatever. That's a fun cast. You forget that he's in it, and then he shows up, and he's great in it.
2: The, over the next five years, he's in a lot of stuff, but again, we're not going to mention a lot of it. I mean, there's Wonder and Free Birds, and a lot of the sequels or thirds of, of the trilogies, right? Like, he's in Masterminds, No Escape. Masterminds is good. Father Figures bliss there's a lot of stuff he's doing during this bliss is awful bliss is awful bliss is awful That's
0: not good there's like a badly done black mirror episode that was two hours long you're like Mm -hmm. oh i get what they're going for and then you're like oh but this stinks oh and it's still going all right (laughs) metaphor for
4: drug addiction you'll find out within 20 minutes
2: (laughs) yeah you get it you get it quickly the one thing I did want to mention, 2019, I know Case is a big Documentary Now fan, and I saw he was in two episodes, so I was like, I got to check it out. I committed to you that anytime we cover somebody in Documentary Now, I'd watch it. And he plays basically the spiritual leader in a a, a mocking of Wild Wild Country, the documentary
3: yeah, on Netflix. Dude. I and didn't realize that. fantastic. It's fantastic. <laughs> and all, all the people are named after Pittsburgh Steelers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's a Michael Keaton cameo.
3: Yeah, it comes into the
2: second episode as a whole FBI thing. <laughs> I started watching this.
4: It's pretty good, man. Yeah, I, I literally ran out of time. That's why I got on right at nine o'clock because I was trying to fit this in. But I had to watch it on like Spectrum's app. So I had to get ads. So I'm like halfway through the second episode. This is hilarious.
0: It's so good. And I'm
4: really glad that I'm watching it.
0: What makes documentary now so good is how serious they take it. Yes. With Helen Mirren doing the intro. Mm -hmm. It's incredibly stupid, but they take it so seriously, which I respect the commitment to the serious documentary bit. The interviews, I mean, these guys
2: are like not breaking character once. I'm sure they did, and they just didn't film those parts. But when they're talking about, yeah, the orgies were so loud that we (laughs) we had to try to intervene, like just getting out of control.
0: We are screaming our orgasms into jars and saving them. <laughs> Yo, the Pittsburgh Steelers were new.
2: <laughs> the, the Pittsburgh Steelers one was good, but the one where like they, they were like, yeah, they're fucking sh- just shooting out of the shooting range all day. And at one point, a bullet came through and almost interrupted our orgy. And it was just <laughs> like, that's when it got out of hand, right? When the bullets, yeah. straight bullets yeah.
0: were coming through into the orgy. Coming through the orgy one. <laughs> Old boy's explaining his
4: name and he's like, this means temple and this means this da, da, da. And are done. They cut to Keaton and he's like, nah, you were,
0: it was Jack Lambert. <laughs> yeah. it's like He's actually a big Franco Harris fan. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, Owen Wilson's not doing a ton in there. I mean, there are moments, but it's, it's more of a, like a cast of character situation, at least
3: in my mind. Well worth checking out. You could see him doing that. Like he pulls that character up Well, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: And then 2021, uh, Rigby's favorite, he enters the Marvel Universe as in the Loki show as Mobius and will be returning here in uh, season two. We'll be releasing about three weeks after the release of this episode. So he'll be coming back. And I really like his character. He's in five episodes of the show. He's fantastic.
4: He's great in this. Mm-hmm. As weird as it sounds, this is one of my favorite performances that he gives. Mm-hmm. It's not... Comedic, really it's he's playing and he's really dealing with like com- this this forcing complex emotion out of him he's really like wrestling with yeah existential ideas mm-hmm. and he manages it really well he slides into the to the mcu pretty easily like this is a character i want to see a lot more from
2: he should do more tv i think he really hasn't done much it's been mostly film in his career and i think he would thrive in this long form yeah i agree with that I hate saying that because I want movies easier to consume, but I think he would do well in that
4: space. If this is any indication, because that this is I was just blown away by his performance in this. Mm -hmm. Second best performance in the show. Well, not state the first.
1: We skipped over it, and I don't want to go back. Just I want to bring it up because I think his performance in No Way Out was as well. That's my
4: favorite performance by him. Oh wow!
1: No escape. No escape. Yeah, the one. He's over in the in the Philippines or
4: whatever. watch that today too. Yeah,
1: bar none. That is my favorite Owen Wilson performance. He is not being funny at all, he's like right out of his element. But it was, yeah, it was an action film. So,
5: yep,
1: I just needed to throw that out there. So, yeah, I think when he plays a serious role, he could pull it off. Now,
0: it's a good call. It was incredibly tense. My critique of that movie is not the not his performance and not even the tense moments. I think my critique of the movie is that it's like just an undefined South Asian country (laughs) revolution. Like if they would have given any sort of background to be like, okay, I understand why he's afraid, but the one critique was like, all right, uh, uh, he's a white guy. He's from America. And look at all these Asian people that are scaring him. And I was like, that's the only part that made me uncomfortable. The rest of the movie, though, like, I was incredibly tense. It's especially as like a new dad. Yeah. And the whole thing is like, Hey, I have two little girls and we're about to get murdered. The whole movie. I was like, Holy shit. Well,
2: it had to be Laos or Cambodia, right? Cause they're, they're crossing into Vietnam at one point. I
5: think it was Cambodia. Yeah. I think it is Cambodia. I think it's, I think it's assumed that it's Cambodia.
0: I think just a, a little background would have been nice. Yeah.
5: As somebody who's thinking about moving out of the country
3: and working internationally, this was an uncomfortable movie to watch. So.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Lake Bell or Owen Wilson had the uh, had the action movie chops. Hmm? Yeah, the I should say the the political thriller chops.
2: I'll give him credit. To the The last five or six years, Owen Wilson's he's been trying some other stuff. Yeah, he's done some different things that he he wasn't sticking to his normal bag, like doing some television, doing some action pieces. Returning back to the like the horror genre and haunted mansion. I put in air quotes because. He says the haunting did not go over well with people. So it's been a while since he's dabbled in that. But I wish he didn't. Don't forget cult leader (laughs) and then a cult leader.
0: (laughs) We glanced over it and rightfully so because it stinks. But Zoolander 2 as a huge fan of Zoolander 1. I was like, all right, let's see how this is. And I will say the score is fair. The movie is not good, but he does have (laughs) the one funniest line in the movie. And it's when uh, one of the plot points is they find out uh, Derek has like an illegitimate kid and they go to find him. And when they find him, he's like a chubby fat kid. And it, it wrecks Zoolander. He's like, Oh my God. Like I have an ugly fat kid. Like this is terrible. And he, he looks at Hansel. He's like, does is my kid being fat? Does that make him a bad person? And like <laughs> with 100% sincerity, Hansel's like, I mean, it doesn't make him a good person. <laughs> <So> <laughs> <fucking funny. laughs> but the movie's not good. But that line killed me couple last
2: roles that i had put in the show notes i thought were worth noting uh in 2023 paint which was basically like a bob ross type character yeah. uh, i didn't get a chance to watch it but i know it's it's one of his more recent things it's awful i
1: hate it. i hated it
2: the reviews aren't good for it at all no you can't
1: take someone like bob ross and do that to him like it wasn't it wasn't really anything it was He had the look of Bob Ross, but they were making him out to be yeah not like Bob Ross is like one of those people you can put up on a he's like Mister Rogers and Bob Ross Mm -hmm. are there like you can't fuck with that shit right they turned him funny right but wasn't that the idea it was a womanizer and a bunch of terrible stuff right yeah.
2: I'll do that to Bob Ross. Bob Ross was a saint. He just had bad representation who fucked him on the back end. Oh, yeah, they totally fucked Great. him. Just do a biopic. That's all you got to do. Yeah, just do that. Well, how about just
1: do a documentary? Those are always better than biopics anyway, so.
2: And then the last one is the one we mentioned very briefly earlier, but is that movie where he has incredible chemistry with J-Lo and marry me. And I'm obviously kidding because I've never seen two people have more awkward kisses than Owen Wilson and J Lo. That's true.
0: And the movie's not
2: bad. It's not bad. The movie's not bad at all. But like, there is zero chemistry between those those two people.
0: I know it's crazy,
3: <sighs> but they're not supposed to have chemistry. No, they are. They like it's. No, it's it's. They never met before, so they shouldn't have chemistry. This is my favorite. Owen Wilson role and movie only because Jay was in it. So. Wow! No,
5: it's clearly not only oh, <laughs> because Jay. Oh, what was it. <laughs> what about Anaconda? Oh yeah, Kyle. You know who was supposed to? You know who is supposed to play Owen Wilson's character, right? Did you mention that? Oh no, who was it? It was supposed to be Army Hammer, but he. They obviously nixed him. Oh
1: yeah, Army Hammered himself.
5: Yeah.
4: <laughs> oh yeah.
2: He was eating motherfuckers. He was busy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wait, Army Hammer would have been a math teacher? Nah. I would have bought their chemistry a lot more than Owen Wilson and J Lo though. TBD.
4: I'd have bought the regular dude stuff a lot less though.
2: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'll take Matthew McConaughey over Owen Wilson, Tropic Thunder, and we'll give Owen Wilson over Army Hammer and uh. And that I think that's a good, good point. Good,
0: sure enough, I agree with you guys. Just, you watch the movie, you're like, Oh wow, this movie's actually pretty good. Those two clearly aren't into each other, <laughs> <laughs> and like, But the movie's pretty
2: good. We've reached the top of the mountain, Rigby. Top performances, what do you got for us?
5: It's actually a February or excuse me, a May 2023 list, I think, to coincide with the release of Marry Me. Yeah, so that's number one. <laughs> it's from Movie Web. Mm. I just like finding these new lists for every episode. But this is; these are actually ranked, and they are movies and TV. How many? And it's eight of them. TV? He's only got one, right? I don't know. We'll find out, won't we, Craig? The Loki. Loki's number five. Oh.
1: Picking the dog killer. Is the dog killer in there?
0: <laughs> Marley and me?
5: Marley and me is not. <laughs> Wedding Crashers. Wedding Crashers is eight. Okay. Eight. Zoolander, of course. Zoolander is number two. Uh, good list. Great list. Oh, Midnight in Paris.
3: Yeah. Number three. Jim's favorite, Royal Tenenbaums. Number six. We're missing an easy one, Bottle Rocket.
5: Seven. Armageddon. What about Cars? Oh, Cars, yeah. Cars is not on here. Oh, no. Okay. okay. okay.
3: We're missing number
5: one here, guys. We're missing, we're, missing... we're missing number four, number four, and number
3: one. Is it Grand Budapest Hotel? Nope. Armageddon. Is it a Wes Anderson film? Give us a hint. Number four is... Hmm. Life aquatic? Nope.
2: Could it be um French Dispatch? There you go. Oh boy. Number yeah. four. We didn't talk about it. But what's number one? What do we miss? Is it Meet the Parents? Evan?
5: Number one oh, my God. is a movie that we did not we mentioned but we didn't discuss. And we briefly mentioned it. Oh. Oh. Wonder? Wonder. Interesting. From two thousand twelve. He plays a lovely dad character in that movie. Yeah, he does a good job. Across from Julia Roberts. That's a sweet movie. This site calls Owen Wilson's performance authentic and heartwarming, and it's hard to imagine anyone else playing the caring and supportive father. His moments of sharing wisdom with his kid are especially significant. This very very endearing father-son moment brings forth nostalgic feelings about when we were children cared for and supported. So they had very good words to say about his performance in this movie. Bleeding hearts. Movie's not that good. No, I
2: was about to say, let's settle down. It didn't change. <laughs> it didn't change fucking cinema. Let's relax over there. Whoever it is, and kill a dog. Yeah, movie web. That that list conveniently left off Marmaduke, but that's fine. Whatever. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay.
2: Wow. All right. So let's get into the Munson Meter. What we do? We rate every actor on a scale of zero to hundred based on a variety of factors that could include longevity, project choice, pop culture impact, acting range, awards footprint, other mm-hmm. talents, personal life, comedic. Cops box office success and anything else that matters to us as munsons and we will start this time with rigby
5: i was kind of excited when we were talking about owen wilson because i love a lot of his movies isn't it? not no not so much because of him but i just think the roles that he's been that he's selected have been have been kind of memorable with like zoolander like wedding crashers e- even though i'm not the biggest fan obviously you know he's got the wes anderson thing going on which um, a lot of people love him for those roles as well. Um, very recognizable name and face, though. You know, we could we could make a whole episode on just his quotes from his movies, his wows, his uh, his whispering. Like Jim said earlier, just he's a very recognizable dude in Hollywood, and that's the name of the game for me. So he's going to get a pretty high score. He's going to get an eighty-two for me. Thanks. All right, I think
3: name recognition. Rigby nailed that. Getting ready for this episode when people were like, "Who are you guys covering?" And I'd be Owen Wilson. They'd go, oh, I love this movie and that movie. As we were talking about his career, I was becoming less enthusiastic about where I had him ranked. This is one of the episodes where people went down Mm -hmm. versus normally I'm adding to scores. Range is an issue for him, both from what the roles he's been able to get and also from what audiences want from him. We talked about No Escape it generally sounded like most of us enjoyed that. And that got a 48 and 62 from critics and fans. And, and I think a lot of that's just based on people going, I don't know if I buy Owen Wilson as an as action star yet. Despite the score I'm going to give him, he's actually one of my favorite actors, and I really do enjoy watching his movies. And there are very few performers that I will go watch a movie just because they're in it. And he is one of them. But based on kind of pulling all the numbers together and, and looking at things a little bit more critically. I'm going to give him a 77.
2: I, I agree case. I don't think he has a ton of range. He's tried some things. I'll give him credit for trying some different things, especially in the latter part of his career, but he's, he's excellent at what he does. And he even said in an interview that he's like, I think there are some parts I can play well. Cause the interviewer asked him if he thought he was a great actor. And he basically was like, I can do two or three, three things to a T And outside of that, I'm probably just mediocre at best. And I appreciate that self-awareness from anybody, especially a a performer. Yeah, I will give him credit, though. He can carry he can carry projects. I think it's better when he's the the second, you know, he's his second bill, not necessarily the lead, but he can lead and he gets an extra point for being in Midnight Paris because I think he's perfect. And that's one of my favorite films. Um, I had seen most of his movies, so I didn't have to watch a ton of new stuff here, which isn't always the case. And how many people we covered that have literally their own catchphrase tied to them? Yeah. Right. And wow. Wow. That speaks to some pop culture impact. Some downsides, right? He's There's not a lot of like outside of... I mean, he's, he's pretty private. So you don't know much about like philanthropic, what he does to help people, anything like that. If he does it, I just don't know about it. But I, I also give him a little bit of credit for the Oscar nom for co-writing films with wes anderson we don't see a lot of performers who do that and get and get a lot of uh notoriety for it so with all of that i'm gonna give him a score pretty similar to case i'm gonna give him a 76 jim our guest months in europe yeah i think the fact that he could he could get two
1: hot wives and one not so hot wife at two out of three yeah. brings down a point <laughs> He's a movie star, so he should have probably been able to get three that were good looking. Which
0: like is, a man's <laughs> man, you know? Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> what a
3: um,
1: he's got to lose points <laughs> on that for sure. I would go with a lot of the sentiment. I I think his range is getting better as he gets older. Yeah, I think that. You're right. He has huge brand recognition. He's been in some iconic comedies, which I think was where he kind of kind of made his bread and butter. I think. Also that, for me, I don't necessarily go see an Owen, a movie because Owen Wilson is in it, although I have seen every single one of his movies. But it for me, it's more about, like, I just like his character he usually plays. Like the typical Owen, he's kind of like that warm pudding that you get where it's like, yeah, I like it. He's here, brings me joy. And, you know, it's a thing up in Canada. We, we like warm pudding. And um, <laughs> he just brings a bit of joy to, to the things. But I I would agree his range is is, is limited, which, you know, he's made cho- maybe some smart choices except Marmaduke. Because I like seeing him in most of the things I see him in, I would say I'm going to give him a little bit higher. I'm going to go to 79.
4: All right. Aubrey. So I always try to keep mine as much about on screen work and what he what he's specifically doing is possible, and so with Owen Wilson it was interesting because as a, as an actor he's kind of defined by his his ability as a, a comedic performer. Yeah, and what I like about that aspect is like he's not the traditional comedic performer to me because he's not generally the one causing a ton of laughs. There's always movies where he does that, but in my experience he's he's just a person in a movie he helps create a more fun and comedic environment and i think that's like a really unique skill which is why i think a lot of his movies works and why it, it works so well when he's alongside someone who is really funny uh he's super charming and charismatic i think that carries a lot of what he does um the brand recognition stuff that's why i was so uh shocked earlier i thought he'd be higher because i feel like everyone knows who he is um And everyone can point to something about him that they like. And so much like you, Case, my score has been kind of dropping as we've gone through this. Because when I was thinking about it before we did this, I enjoyed the prep so much. That was coloring what I was kind of going through. I just liked the movies. Yeah. I just watched a lot of really good, fun movies. It was an enjoyable time getting through most of this and a lot of that's due to him like just being entertaining. The downside is like you guys hit it, he doesn't have a ton of range. Um and it seems like it's growing and he's getting more stuff out of it, but even in that it's good or it's better than expected. Um I I haven't seen a performance of his that really like his performance blew me away. I haven't seen one of those. I don't think I don't think there's a one movie that I would define as "oh, that's the Owen Wilson movie." If you ask me about Owen Wilson every day, I'd probably tell you a different thing. Whatever the first thing that comes to my mind, which is a positive and a negative. Yeah. When you look at, like, an ability standpoint, like the act, the performances in and of themselves, he doesn't have a defining performance for me. Um, and then he doesn't have the work, the high scale. Um. And so I have him a little bit lower with the caveat that I love him and I'm always happy to see him. I got him at a 73.
0: All right, James, round us out. New Andrews, a classic. I'll forever love that movie. Wedding Crashers didn't age as poorly as I expected it to. I thought it was very enjoyable rewatching it. Um he has said "Wow" in fifty-two percent of his movies. Uh, broken down with how much money he's earned, that's thirteen hundred dollars per Wow. Based on all the words he's ever said, I did not come up with that. Uh, that was Screen Rant, which was an article that Case sent to me. So thirteen hundred dollars per Wow. Total eighty-one times. Laid-back demeanor is iconic. He's you know got the southern charm and the quick wit. Uh, I think that. I was genuinely shocked to find out that he's actually a very accomplished writer. Um, I, I, usually if someone is that natural playing kind of like a doofus or actually that natural playing any role, I kind of assume they're very similar to that in real life. And I didn't realize that he's actually such an accomplished writer. So that part was impressive to me. So I bumped him up a little bit for that uh, and I ended up giving him a 75.
2: They're all kind of peppering the strike zone on this one.
0: All right. With that, that gives
2: Owen Wilson a 77 on the dot, which puts him in 33rd place. Sandwiched between Elliot Page and Rami Malek.
0: Mm. Fair score. Fair score. Seems fair. Rami got so many extra points for me for just random shit in his life. So Mm -hmm. it makes sense that I'd have him above uh, Owen Wilson.
5: Yeah, I like that. I like that spot for Wilson.
2: He's two spots above Angelica Houston, his many frequent co-star. Aubrey, what does he have coming?
4: I would say probably the most popular is Loki season two, which comes out in October. There's a lot of anticipation around that mainly because
2: Marvel needs a win.
4: (laughs) Well, their direction, like Loki, the first season kind of painted the direction of where it was supposed to go for the next several years. Yeah. That has been currently, I'll say upended for now. And so season two, has got to tell us something. So that's, um, as out as I've been on Marvel, I'm really excited for that. He's got two movies in production. One is Lips Like Sugar, which I think is a terrible title, particularly for a crime drama thriller, as it's listed. It's with Woody Harrelson and the co-writer of 2011 Warrior. Mm Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Uh, more interesting is the the romantic comedy about a filmmaking duo who, after falling in and out of love, reunite on set to work together again, which is a Nancy Myers rom- romantic comedy with Michael Fassbender, Scarlett Johansson, Penelope Cruz and Owen Wilson.
5: Fassbender, really? Mm hmm. All over that one.
4: That's that's it. He's keeping it light.
5: He's got some things.
4: I mean, Marvel dropped it back, so he doesn't really need to do anything else. Yeah, I was about to say, he's making money there.
2: He's got three kids to raise, you know? He's a busy guy. <laughs> he's got three baby mamas to balance, you know what I mean? There's there's a lot to do there.
1: Two good-looking ones, anyway.
2: Wow, that's great. Next episode's going to hit October 5th. Uh, we are bringing back Chip Hessenflow flow of Too Much Scrolling, Yep. who is here for James Marsden, Annie McDowell, Matthew Broderick, and Emma Thompson.
0: Hey, Chip. He's also the
2: holder of the lowest score we've ever given. That's true for Annie McDowell. Just straight 30. I think it was 33. 30 so, something. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. <laughs> so here are the five actors that we threw under the wheel for episode 90. And they are Steve Carell, Richie Coaster, Radha, Radha Mitchell, Taraji P. Henson and Betty Gilpin. What do we like or dislike about that list? I know who
5: people are except Richie Coster. Actually, no, I know who Richie Coster is. He's from The Dark Knight. That, yeah. That guy. He's the, my dogs are hungry. Yes.
0: <laughs> Damn, dude. How'd you pull that one out? I would have never known who that dude was. <laughs>
4: when you see his picture, you will. Yeah. That's how, I, that's how I figured it out.
0: Betty Gilpin's great in glow. I love that. I love that show. I watched it like three or four times. Wish, wish they could finish it, but they never will. He was
2: fun in the in the hunt too. Oh, so I'm good sure. in the hunt. She's great. Uh, yeah. A lot of TV. With
4: Taraji would be a roller coaster. Yeah, I agree. I'm all, I'm here for that.
2: Rada Mitchell, I only really know her from Silent Hill. When I see her face, that's the first movie I think of with her. But I don't know if that's a good thing.
5: (laughs) Man on Fire. She was the mom in Man on Fire. Oh, that's right. Yep. Um, I mean, Steve Carell obviously would be probably the popular choice. It would be so much Office, though, and I hate The Office, so I'll... You hate The Office? Are you like... Yeah. Whoa. Zero fun, sir. The Office sucks.
0: Do you just go out of your way to be... Counter pop
5: culture. <laughs> no, I watched Seinfeld.
2: <laughs> Jim, Jim, if you were gonna come back and do a second episode in a row, who would you pick of the five? Uh, I would probably pick
1: Betty Gilpin myself just because, like, I just think she's
0: awesome. I love yeah. that. I heard that new show she has is pretty good. I haven't seen it though on Peacock. She plays a nun. I've heard about this, yeah.
5: I haven't seen The Hunt, I'd be excited to watch that. Oh, you gotta see it. The hunt's wild. Who do we think Chip
2: would pick, knowing his track record? Feels like Steve Carell. Yeah.
5: Yeah, Steve Carell.
2: Okay. Well, we'll see, because Chip doesn't decide, Jim doesn't decide, I don't decide, contrary to popular belief, the wheel decides, and we'll see what happens. Wow. Uh, Jim... We've reached the end of this this here episode, man. We appreciate you being here and chopping it up with us. This is your chance to do a little plug for the show, or talk about anything that you want to leave, words of wisdom-wise, for our audience. floor is yours. I would say
1: saint (laughs) And you can reach FilmRage on social media at FilmRage YYC. You can find us on our website, FilmRageYYC.com. And you can stream us anywhere. We're just releasing our Two hundred thirteenth episode this Wednesday, damn. And uh, our focus, for the most part, is on new release to cinema, so we see just about everything that go- gets into cinemas that's in our it's fair city. So, love that. Yeah,
3: we hate a lot of stuff and we like a lot of stuff. So, <laughs> hey, hey hey, <clears throat> hey, 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 you were a blast, buddy. Thanks for jumping on with us tonight. That was fun. I appreciate
0: yeah. it. this was fun. You
1: guys are a blast. Have me back on for somebody that I really hate. That would be awesome.
2: <laughs> I'll send you some options. Well, as we uh, wrap things up, you can find us on the X Ax- Munson's at movies. You can find us on Instagram Munson's at the, the Ax, movies. Come on now. <laughs> you can email us Munson's at the movies at gmail dot com. Any final thoughts from Owen Wilson?
3: oh man i feel like wow it's like i come over it's like i don't know what to expect i gotta be honest i come in it's like a little
2: like i'm trying to get my bearings there's cartoons your mom and it's like you still got it
3: munson's out (sighs)
5: all right let's go thank you for the education gentlemen we've just received a phd in stupidity
4: doctor shall we
3: Incidentally, what's your policy on Columbus Day? Uh, Well, we work. Really? The guy discovered the new world. Afraid to even ask about victory over Japan Day.